here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome once again to another edition of the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I'm Rich Crage alongside, as always, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how are you? Well, it's the first time in, in a few weeks here that we actually have a lot to talk about. A lot, yes. And, <laughs> plenty, plenty, plenty. And zero of it has anything to do with WWE. No, that's what I was going to say. Do, do, do we want to right now do our little, like, a minute or, like, I have nothing. There's nothing to do. I <laughs> no mean, strong just, thoughts. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. We're just sitting around uh, waiting for WrestleMania, and there's really just nothing going on there. I mean, I guess the the first thing we're going to talk about has something to do with WWE. It does. Yeah. So, And, and for people that are curious, we're going to get into Dragon Gate. We're going to break down those two weekend shows because you and I were both in love with both those shows. Uh, we're going to talk about New Japan Cup, all that sort of stuff. But one of our bigger stories that we're going to talk about, as you mentioned, has a little bit of a WWE swing to it, and that's the Raymond Mysterio situation. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit, I think either last week or was it last week or the week before? Uh, we talked a little bit last week, like very, very basic. Because we, as we went on air is basically when they announced, I think they announced at like 5 p.m. On, on Thursday or whatever. So we we did not have much time to know really what was going on. We knew it was an inevitability, but we, we weren't really prepared for it to happen when it did happen. So it happened, and then we sort of went from there. But we've known um, for we, we didn't really have a lot of info. We've known for weeks it was an inevitability. Oh yeah, I mean, we, it, it's been anything. inevitability for months. To be honest, I mean, right. yeah, and, we we knew officially for weeks it was it was definite. Yeah, so. and we and we knew he was headed to AAA as as soon as uh, as it became official, and that's exactly how it played out. And they had their they had their uh, um, press conference on, I guess Tuesday, right? It was the third, so that was yesterday. Yeah, so that'd be Tuesday. I'm confused because I forget because we're usually recording on the Thursday, so we're probably gonna have all the days wrong. Because yeah, so we're recording on Wednesday. Wednesday this week. So it was Tuesday. AAA had their press conference. They announced Rey Mysterio uh, is coming back to AAA. 
Alberto El Patron was there. Uh, the former uh, Sin Cara slash. Um, I cannot pronounce. <laughs> this, this is, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Combinations of Y, M, and Z and I. So. Yeah. So you know this. You it what is it? It's mysticism or something, right? Mysticize, mysticize. It's not mysticize. I think it's mysticize, but either way, the old Sin Cara, you know him. Yeah. So 2006 wrestler of the year. The point guy. here is, is it's three pretty <laughs> significant stars now that they have in the fold that they didn't have in the fold. What? I mean, when did, when did they get uh mysticize or mysticies? <laughs> we'll go with mysticize. Let's go with that for when, now. When, when, did they get uh, when was that, that now? I mean, that's less than a year. That's ago, been right? about a year about now. A year. That's been a little over a year. So I you believe, look about but... a year ago, they didn't have any of these guys and they bring back, you know, um, Really, he's their biggest star ever. I mean, when you really want to be, yeah. talk about a drawing card in AAA, and then Rey Mysterio, who of course is a is a legend in AAA, and and Alberto El Patron, who you know his Mex his his history in Mexico is 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 with CMLL, but he obviously became a bigger worldwide star, um, you know, without the mask in WWE, and then coming back to Mexico as a much bigger star than he left. Um, so, so this is, this is a pretty big deal. I mean, you know, that press conference on Tuesday is, is really being underplayed, I think, in a lot of places. I mean, AAA was already probably the number one promotion in Mexico, um, before all of this, but now, you know, forget about it. I mean, this, this really puts them on the map where, you know, we'll see how, we'll see what I see. I like, let's like I said last week, I think Rey Mysterio is going to be a tremendous boon to their business. I think he's, Absolutely. he's going to help them tremendously at the gate. And, you know, you, you could be talking here, you know, AAA could legitimately, you know, at this point be, you know, the number three promotion in the world and even challenge for number two, depending on how things go. So this really is a big deal. I mean, Rey Mysterio, look, he might be broken down and, you know, he's got bad knees and we don't know, you know, he hasn't wrestled in forever. So we have no idea what he's going to look like or, you know, and, and he's not going to be the Rey Mysterio that – you know, uh, uh, of the WCW days or 2003 or 2006 or, you know, even probably, you know, 2009. But I mean, you know, it, he's still a huge name and it's a really big deal for him to be going back not only to Mexico, but to the promotion where really he got his start as a, you know, a 13, 14 year old, yeah. um, you know, in the in the in the early in, uh, you know, 1992, 1993, 1994. You know that period of time, so uh, this is really significant. And 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 the big story, you know, is 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 the way he left WWE. I mean, he's been trying to get out of WWE for a year. And yeah, um, it was it was April uh, 2014, and this is all detailed um, in the Wrestling Observer. We're gonna have a little special guest here in a few moments that knows a little bit more that he was not able to reveal prior, but now is able to talk, and it's Dylan Hales. We'll bring him on here in a little bit. But, yeah, it was uh, April 2014. I mentioned The Observer has a lot of this information, and we knew about this, too. This is public information that they sort of had a deal that, hey, you know, let's let your contract expire, and then Vince McMahon decided, well, you know, you haven't done a lot of dates, so we're not going to let you out of your contract. Which obviously had a lot to do with, <laughs> um, you know, Vince not wanting him to go to one of these startups, whether it sure. was... And we knew about Lucha Underground at that point. If you remember, we knew that it was a thing. We didn't know exactly in what form or fashion, but we knew that a uh, AAA USA, I think is what we were calling it at that time, existed and they were looking for a big star and Ray was going to be that big star. Yeah. Vince, I, smartly enough, realized, hey, <laughs> I'm not going to let you know this guy go there now and, and you know, kind of used a, used a loophole that's in everyone's contract, but has never really been used before prior to Rey Mysterio. So kind of interesting. Uh, right, where if you miss time, they can tack that time back onto the end of your deal. Which, I mean, 
that sounds, you know, coming from a sports fan's perspective, that just, <laughs> I mean, could you imagine if, if, if th- those types of uh, clauses were in contracts <laughs> in other sports? I mean, that just, it sounds insane. Uh, to you know, to 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 guys like us who are sports fans, that just sounds completely ludicrous. So, uh, Vince pulled that card, obviously trying to keep Ray away from these other places. He wasn't going to be able to keep him away forever, and he knew that. But it, the idea was to cool him off. You know, you don't you don't want him coming right off of your TV and wa- you know moonwalking right into somebody else's promotion fresh off of your TV. So that's why you haven't seen Ray Mysterio, and 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 you know they've just kept him off of TV. They haven't even meant they haven't even breathed his name. Not at all. And and there were the rumors that he was going to come up sometime in November. There was going to be a storyline. I, I think it was through Survivor Series, you know, Survivor Series through WrestleMania or something like that. And then that just got shelved as well. And then, yeah, he hasn't even you don't see clips of him. You don't hear his name. You you see nothing. He has been a complete ghost to the universe. Uh, you, you know, I think his last match, what was it? The night after WrestleMania, right? Yeah, Wade Barrett. Last year. Wade Barrett. And he, right. And okay. He was in the, he was... And he was in the WrestleMania battle. Right. Yeah. All oh, right. Yes. I, I completely forgot. And he, he was in. Um. And he was in the Royal Rumble before. Famously. That. Yes. <laughs> Famously and, in the Royal Rumble. Getting there, booed yeah. out of the building, and he may have done a little bit of TV in between the Rumble and WrestleMania, but I, I nothing significant. Obviously, because they didn't really have anything for him at Mania other than the silly battle royal. So, um, yeah, and then they just kept him off of TV from then. So it, it isn't a matter of, you know, most I think most casual fans just assumed, well, it's Rey Mysterio. He must have been hurt again. But that wasn't the case. They just they just they, they were they were cooling him off because they knew he was going to leave eventually. I mean, he's wanted to leave since last April and he yeah. cut a deal with Triple H. And, you know, there's a lot of bad blood there, which we're going to hear about when Dylan comes on, because a lot of this, a lot of this stuff that that Dylan has to say that Dylan. And, 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 you know, Dylan's been, you know, I guess the cat's out of the bag now. I mean, you know, he's been on top of this and he's been telling us stuff privately for a long time about this Rey Mysterio situation. So uh, he knows what he's talking about. He's got good sources here and, and, you know, he'll tell us all about it when he comes on. But a lot of the stuff he's going to say wasn't in the Observer, but there's a lot of bad blood there. And the original deal with Triple H was both sides would, you know, just they had a handshake agreement to not slander each other and they were going to let Ray walk a year ago. Or 11 months ago, or whatever it was, and and that's when Vince stepped in. So, uh, but now his contract's officially up, and and um, you know, there there was you know, according to the Observer, they they were there was talk that they were going to challenge him for the Rey Mysterio name, which I mean, yeah. that's just silly. They they would. <laughs> he's been Rey Mysterio with a slightly different spelling. You know, yeah, I, I instead of Y, yes, yeah, I instead of Y, and with the Junior on the end since you know day one, uh, as far as I know or effectively since day one, you know, so um, they would have never, you know, WWE dropped the junior and they spell it with a Y. I mean, you know, he, he clearly has rights to use Ray Mysterio with an I and with the junior on the end. I mean, there's no way they could have prevented him from doing that. But what I find interesting is WWE still owns a trademark on the spelling with the Y. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what they plan on they you know plan on doing with that probably i guess they can still license that character and and i, I don't know why they would want to do that because he's going to be on competing tv soon so it's pretty much uh, a dead trademark at this point right i mean what could they do with that trademark at this point yeah i'm not sure i mean it, i mean you see they could do but why would they want to do those things because yeah just, right right that's marketing someone else's top star because when he when he goes to lucha underground make no mistake you can be the top star in Lucha Underground. Absolutely, yeah. You oh, can yeah, take yeah, your Prince yeah. Pumas and your Phoenixes and and your and your Johnny Mundos, and you know you you can take a hike. This guy's gonna be your top star. Now, he may you know he may be there to put over those other guys eventually, 
uh, you know, to step in. in put yeah, because of course, it, throughout this, we're not ignoring the fact that he, he his body may be broken down, that he might not be able to do what he's doing. But from a short term, or or even just from a purely business standpoint, he's going to be significant. From a star and fame and that sort of stuff, he's there. I mean, that that that's very very important. So yeah, we're we're not we're not undermining the fact that he's not going out there and he's not. And I think you mentioned a little bit. We're not saying he's going to go out there and have spectacular matches or whatever. But he's a big, huge, huge name that's now a free agent. And I mean, not necessarily a free agent because we know where he's going to go. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not it. it we're not saying he's maybe going to be the best work rate star ever, all that sort of stuff. But it's a big name. It's a huge name for AAA and for Lucha Underground. Yeah, I mean, and he may be able to cheat his way to very good matches because he's a wily veteran and all that. But the fact of the matter is, when he walks into Lucha Underground, I mean, he's not going to be able to keep up with the state of the art flying wrestlers that they have in that promotion. Which, to be fair, every single one of them were influenced by him. Right, and and he hasn't been really that style in a while, anyway. So yeah. it it probably be okay if he just was what he was. You mentioned, you know, two thousand six through two thousand nine, Rey Mysterio. I mean, that that's I think that's fine. I don't think anybody expects nineteen ninety six. I don't think he can physically do nineteen ninety six Rey Mysterio again, and, and that's fine. That's that's perfectly okay because basically that mask and that man that that's all you need. And let me tell you something. Right you know, it, it's and the thing is, you know, you'd have to think that a lot of the guys in Lucha Underground grew up idolizing him. Or, oh, God, or grew yeah. up, And they, they all modeled themselves after him. And it's like, they're, they, you know, a lot of those guys are probably going to bust their ass to make sure he doesn't look bad if his physical condition is is, is as bad as, as, it, as it might be. And we could be overblowing that. You know, he's... Yeah, we have no idea. I mean, he's had a year, he's almost two years off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, <laughs> so. he could be, you know... It, 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 it might not be as bad as we're making it out to be. You might be able to go in there and have decent matches. Who knows? Especially with the lighter schedule. You know, it's not like he's going to be on the road every night with Lucha Underground either. I mean, sure, he's going to be wrestling for AAA and, and, and doing things down there, but he's not going to be working close to the kind of schedule that he was working. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe he can go, he'd be good for a day. I mean, you know, I said like a day or two on, on Lucha Underground tapings. Maybe he can just do that and then, yeah, maybe you store the rest of the month. But, hey, you know, he, yeah, he, he did the Lucha Underground taping things. and that's fine. Absolutely, yeah. especially if he's happy and motivated. You know, he may be able to go hard for a couple of days mm -hmm. and then, you know, because he may not have another match for for a week and a half or two weeks, whether it's in Mexico or independent bookings. I mean, it, and look, let me tell you something. This $20,000 <laughs> I wanted to talk that about he's that, asking yes. for, okay, because I know we got to get to Dylan in a couple of minutes. So I wanted to get this in. Yeah, that basically in the header of our I put Rey Mysterio 20K man. So he's the 20, 20,000 dollar man. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. That basically means he doesn't really want too many books. <laughs> I mean, that's what that means, because. You're not going to have too many independent promoters who, number one, can put up that kind of cash. Right. Okay. And 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 he it's just and number two, it's it that's a serious risk of that's a horrible investment. It's a, it, horrible, it's horrible. Not investment. a good investment at all. I mean, if if you're a bigger look, you, you need a thousand. If you you charge like you know you charge twenty bucks a ticket, you need a thousand people there for your indie promotion yeah, just to make up for and, his yeah, money. And then who else you put on the card? He has to face <laughs> right. with a decent name. <laughs> I mean, so it's like the only places where it's feasible to really book him would be those northeastern um, indies, your your NEWs, who I think booked him actually. I think yes, they did. Wrestling yeah. booked him against Alberto uh, El Patron, like your NEWs, your PWSs, your House of Hardcores, your places like that, your northeastern promotions who use those kind of guys, and they use meet and greets as a central part of their business where you can make up some of the money that way. But if you think you're going to see Rey Mysterio in your local VFW Hall against your local champion, you're not going to see that because he had look. And if he wanted to work, he'd have a much more reasonable rate than that twenty grand. Basically, what he's saying is, look, 
I'll leave my house and hop on an airplane, but you're going to have to make it worth my while because, yeah. you know, he, and look, he probably doesn't need the money. So no, he's yeah, he's probably OK. I can't so. really blame the guy for asking for an exorbitant sum. And, you know, I said that, the you know, on on Twitter today, it was announced and kind of got mixed reactions to it. But then when you look in the observer this week, I mean, really. He, he's in he's in rare air. I mean, he's he, you know, the only people asking for more money than him, according to Meltzer, are guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it's like, right. Like Dave mentions as well, that Ric Flair uh, a few years ago when he was doing his little rounds and, you know, he went to Ring of Honor for a little while. He was asking for 15,000. So he was even five thousand dollars less than that. Yeah, that that's that's basically a way to, to screen calls is what I read it as. It's like, look, I don't want every rink eating promotion in the world calling me. I'm going to throw this number out. And then the ones that really, really, really want me, they'll call. But yeah, he just doesn't really want to work. I mean, he's right. supposed to chill out until. I mean, if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna give me twenty, you know, k to to go to New York or whatever, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. And yeah, uh, NEW Diz August first. It's Sunday, August first. They have a stat card as well. Like, uh, they have. I'm looking at the card right now. Matt Hardy's gonna be there. Uh, Matt Taven, who, who's their champion, the Young Bucks, uh, Mickey James, Velvet Sky, uh, front row tickets, uh, or sorry, ringside which is rows one through five, uh, 75 bucks. And that gives you access to the meet and greet of uh, ringside uh, rows six through 10 is 55. And then stadium seating is 40, 25 and 20. So yeah, th- that promotion always, you know, draws a decent crowd too. And they charge <laughs> a lot for their tickets. And it, I'm sure the meet and greet has a bunch of ex WWE guys because in the Northeast, that stuff, people pay and go see that, you know, they, they like these ex WWE guys. And then that, that those kind of promotions draw in the Northeast. Um, you know, they're not the trendy independent promotions because they don't use a lot of the trendy independent names and whatnot. But they, but honestly, those are the independent promotions that all draw. I mean, you know, yeah, right. it's, it, you know, if you, if you just want to look at it from a strict business perspective. Yeah, th- this Friday, they have uh, uh, Patron, uh, El Patron versus Matt Hardy. Then they have Roddy Piper, AJ Styles, Harlem Heat, uh, Jerry Lawler versus Brian Anthony. And then the Young Bucks are there. So, yeah, as you can see, this isn't a, a uh, super show they're doing in August. It's kind of the norm for them. So, yeah. In case you're curious about NEW, but yeah, as you said, though, that those sort of things, uh, they're they're out of Connecticut. They draw real well. They draw. They 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 do well. And those Northeast, that's always 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 a, a draw. Is slap a bunch of XWB guys on your poster and you're good, which is fun, I'm sure. But yeah, and the fact of the matter is, though, I mean, a lot of those shows may not may break even or not make it because they they have so many names that they they need to. If they you know if they didn't draw well, they'd be out of, be long out of business by now. I mean, Teddy Long will be there as well. In case you're curious, so. Well, you know, I don't know if that changes your decision, but holla, 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 player. <laughs> he can make a tag match, you know, and I'm sure he will. I, I guarantee, in fact, that he's going to get in the ring. He's going to make a tag match. I mean, come on. And here's here's a good indication of how well they're doing. Uh, here's order tickets here. Front row sold out. Second row sold out. Rows three for five sold out. Row six, seven, and eight are sold out. Yeah, so so you can get general admission for fifteen still. They might make money on Rey Mysterio, but you know, it, it'd be very, very difficult. Uh, for, for, there's probably less than a half a dozen indie promotions that could actually make money on that deal. So I, I, I wouldn't book them for that amount. There's no way I would take that risk. But then again, if I was an independent promoter, I'd be one of these cheapskates who, who would book nothing but you know local names, maybe you know one or two mid-level names, uh, you know, to slap on the poster, and I'd be more than happy to make my fifty bucks and get the hell out of there every time. Yeah. So that, would that, you? That's would you? Uh, would you be one of those that always has the big name lose to your local guy? Absolutely. I would. Okay. I would bring in the mid-level independent guy who I can get for you know a reasonable rate, and he would lose to, and I would use those guys to put over my local guys to create stars out of my local that's the, guys. 
that's the Dreamwave strategy. Dreamwave, uh, uh, LaSalle, they do that. All, everybody they bring in loses, loses, loses to all the local guys, which is fine. That's what Inspire mind. does. They brought in Chuck yeah. Taylor to lose on the first show. They, you know, they, they bring these guys in and and they lose to your, to your. I'm gonna have them win a few times, but that's okay. I get it. Yeah, it's it, that. That's the way I would go. I mean, you know, it's it's because you know my my goal wouldn't be to book a bunch of big names. My goal would be just to make sure I made money on every show, even if it you don't want to be that money book. mark that just books like 10x. I would. I, I, it makes you feel good and make a sweet post. So yeah, that's me. That's what I would do. No, I'm just joking. I would probably do it your way too. Just have a bunch of young guys. I don't even need the name. I don't care. I don't want to make any money. All right. Uh, you want to bring on Dylan right now? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna take a quick break here, and then we're gonna get on with Dylan Hales, who's got some scoops for us on the Rey Mysterio WWE situation and all everything pertaining to that. So we'll be right back here in a moment. All right, and we're back here on Voices of Wrestling. Obviously, Rich and Joe here with you, but we have a special guest, Dylan Hales, as we mentioned. He's going to talk a little bit about Rey Mysterio, WWE, and all the other stuff going on with that. Dylan, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys, uh, in my in my scoops role today. Not as, a, yeah, so, uh, and... not as an analyst. <laughs> not let's an talk analyst. Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Let, let's just do it anyway. <laughs> actually, why not? So... actually you're, you're more than welcome to stick around as we break down two Dragon Gate cards. Oh, if there's something that. Dylan loves, it's Dragon Gate. Yeah, that, so let's, that's... yeah, you... Absolutely. You know, screw Rey Mysterio. What are your thoughts on the uh, the Champion Gate shows, Dylan? Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about sh- uh, Shingo or whatever. Let's <laughs> Shingo or whatever. Let's <laughs> let's talk about Shingo or whatever. So obviously, if you don't know Dylan Hales, uh, he's at Dylan Waco on Twitter. He's also the co-host of the Wrestling Culture Podcast. He's on all the Place to Be Nation pay per view uh, reaction shows as well. Uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, as I mentioned, at Dylan Waco, you're doing disservice to your wrestling Twitter because he is the man, the myth, and the legend. So, Dylan, what do you got for us here on this Rey Mysterio situation? Well, I think, um, you know, uh, I think this is an interesting story for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, first of all, I, I think it's really bizarre that this was not the lead story in The Observer this week because, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is one of the biggest stars in, in modern wrestling uh, history in a lot of ways, at least since the in the post-Attitude era. But I, I think part of the reason why this may not have been the lead story is that there's a lot of aspects to this story that either have not been reported on at all, or they've been sort of um, alluded to in vague ways, or they may have been reported a long time ago, but in peripheral ways that people would easily forget or, or like skim over. And uh, I think there's an important aspect of this story that is is not being told. Um, you know, in in the Observer write up, which I know has been run down already. Uh, Dave talked about, you know, some potential issues of more WWE racism issues and things like that, which I think is uh, a scandal that a lot of people would expect to have been kept secret and we may not ever know the details of. But there's also the issue of uh, health and sort of wellness and uh, things of that nature that haven't been covered. And I think there's a bigger story there based on what I have been told by people going back months um, and, uh, you know, I, I actually struggled with whether or not this is something I should even talk about publicly. Uh, you know, I'm not going to toot my own horn. I don't consider myself an insider. Occasionally I find out things, uh, that, that turn out to be true. Uh, and at least some cases, and I know you guys can vouch for this without going into the details. I've <laughs> known about huge stories in advance, um, that I deliberately sat on. So I wouldn't outsource or, or potentially piss off longtime friends. Uh, this is an instance where I was told the same thing by multiple people going back uh, months. I recently had basically the outline of this corroborated by other people. So the reason I mention that is because 
if you're somebody who doesn't know me or, or you know does know me but thinks of me as just a guy who reviews matches or whatever you you know you might be cynical and think well why the hell would this guy know any of this stuff how do we know he's not completely full of it how do we know he's not making all this stuff up you don't have to believe me but uh i i do want to get that out of the way because as somebody who's a you know sort of suspicious of news items that i sometimes see uh, i would at least want to uh to have that addressed well let me um, let me it, cut in quick let sure. me cut in quickly and just tell the audience um dylan dylan has told us stuff in private before that has most definitely come to pass yes there, there, there's there are there is credibility there and it's and, and you know obviously not to burn his trust we've kept it under wraps i mean so it, it, there there have been several instances where where he's had stuff and he's and he shared and, and we and vice versa i mean it like we're in the same position as him we're not exactly scoop masters either but we have friends and contacts and occasionally we'll pass things to dylan or, or some of our so you know it, it works both ways and sometimes we share information with each other and i and, and i just wanted to let the audience know that you know it, it's it, he has given us stuff before that has most definitely come the past so you know it, it, you do make friends sometimes in this you know s- crazy business where if you're going to do podcasts and you're going to write reviews <laughs> you're going to be parts of websites you end up making friends you end up making contacts you end up meeting people and and sometimes you you like like we do we run backwards into news sometimes and you know you can't always talk about it publicly um but you got to tell someone so you share it with each other so you know you know you, again you don't have to believe dylan if you don't want to uh, but, you know, if you listen to this show and, and you respect me and Rich, we can tell you that he's given us stuff before that has most definitely come to pass. Correct. Yeah. Numerous times as well. Not just one or two lucky ones. A few. <laughs> so. Well, I, I may have been lucky at times, but. Uh, hey, it's better to be lucky than good, right? It's fine. Um, I, anyway, get, I just wanted to get that all the way because I know how cynical people can be, myself included. And I think it's important to address that right out of the gate. But <clears> what's more important is. You know, uh, back in November, with the, with the whole CM Punk, Colt Cabana interview that sort of blew the lid off of uh, the inner workings of the WWE wellness system in a lot of ways. And now it's led to this lawsuit with Eamon and, and, and all that stuff. You know, the big story, I think, coming out of that interview for a lot of people was not any of the bookings things. I think it was the, the, the wellness issue. Would you guys agree with that? Would you say that's fair? Oh, without a doubt, I think. And, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. And now that we see the the lawsuit that's that's being thrown at Punk, I mean, you know, obviously that was the big the big news that came out of that. Absolutely. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. I mean, the, the focus for a lot of people was the booking and all that sort of stuff, and Triple H is an idiot and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, the big big story, as Joe mentioned, I mean, <laughs> slandering a you know a doctor like a real life doctor and saying he you know that that's yes that is the way way bigger deal out of that. And and I think that's why this what I'm about what I'm about to bring out I think is really an important aspect of this story that should be covered. Um, and that is you know. <laughs> Rey Mysterio has had knee injuries and, and issues for God, I mean, forever, since he was in WCW. It's not a surprise. Uh, when you work that kind of style, it's going to happen. When you're his size, I think it probably contributes to it as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been a pervasive problem. I mean, I think we all know the story about the, the rollover contracts and, and you know, uh, Ray basically being held against his will in the WWE for an extra year. Um but what has not been reported to my knowledge, at least not explicitly, and this is this has kind of been a, a relatively open secret, I think, in some quarters, is the fact that the WWE, <laughs> from everything I've been told, 
and this is from multiple people, including people who I believe absolutely would know this for a fact, was outright refusing to contribute in any way, shape, or form to any future Rey Mysterio surgeries as long as he was employed with that company. Now, this is relevant and I think important and a really big news story. And there are other things I want to get to, too, but I think this is the biggest thing for two reasons. The first reason it's important is when we've got these wellness issues at the forefront right now, this is another, I, I think, potentially huge controversy for the WWE. But the second reason, and I think it, it, that it's even more substantial uh, in, than maybe it might look on initial first glances, you know, this is a company that was holding him there against his will, basically hoping he would work, trying to find ways to work. You know, the, the theory is that they wanted him to still work dates and do all this other stuff and come back in the ring. And they pit, I know for a fact they pitched ideas for him to come back. So they wanted him to work. But at the same time, they were telling him they wanted him to work. And this is a guy whose work hurt many, many times. I mean, Dave Meltzer's covered that at length. Uh, the times he's worked with severe injuries, uh, when other part-timers or, 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 or stars of, frankly, that never drew as much money as Ray were given much more time off to heal. Um, and at the same time that they're wanting him to work, they're saying, if you get hurt on the job, you're screwed. We're not going to help you at all. You're, you're on your own. We're not giving you a dime for your surgeries. Where, you know, and the implication from what I was told was that if he did, in fact, come back and get hurt and he needed another surgery, not only would they not contribute to it in any way, but they would be willing and, and hoping to roll him over again <laughs> if he missed time and hold him <laughs> even longer, basically, as a hostage under the WWE banner where he did not want to stay. Now, I, I think. To some people, you might hear this and think, well, that's not really a big story. But I strongly, strongly disagree with that. If you've got a guy who has worked hurt for you before, worked more dates than he was expected before, uh, who you know for a fact does not want to be with your company, and you're pitching him these ideas to stay, and you're trying to get him to stay, and you're trying to get him involved in on-air storylines and angles and, and physical angles and matches – and then out of the other side of your mouth, you're saying, we're not going to take care of you at all in any way if you get hurt on the, on the job. To me, that is every bit as bad as what supposedly uh, went down with CM Punk. Uh, and I think that given the context of what happened with Punk, that this is a, a really big story that, for whatever reason, is, to my knowledge, not really been covered by anybody. I, and, I, and I don't know. Well, I've got my theories as to why, but mm -hmm. um, I'd be interested to hear, A, if you guys think that this is all that big a story and B, why do you guys think it's not been covered? Well, re real quick, Dylan, if, if you can clarify, I don't know if you know this, is are the same people telling him this or are they doing a good cop, bad cop thing like we kind of assume WWE does a well, lot now where, where Triple H is the, yeah, you know, go, go, rah, rah, where Vince McMahon might be the 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 voice of reason or the opposite. I don't know. Or, or are these the same clear messages coming from the same people? There's or there's we not know that? There's absolutely no question that there was a good cop, bad cop involvement going on. Okay. And that there was, And there's absolutely no question that WWE League was involved uh that i i mean the people who are telling me these things and again these are multiple people who don't even know each other i should add uh the people who are telling me these things have, have been it's been almost um uh, the stories have been virtually exactly the same and in every case ww legal was was clearly involved with sort of <laughs> trying to lay down the law on ray mysterio uh, regarding what his future would be with the company uh, and really regarding what his future would be if he were to get hurt. And, and I think the irony here is I think there's a chance Ray might have actually stayed uh, and signed another deal, maybe even a short-term deal, 
but I think this was a real deal breaker. I think this was a huge deal breaker for Ray uh, was the idea that if he got injured again, they weren't going to do anything for him. I mean, he was going to be completely out there on his own, uh, you know, with potentially six or, you know, you know a six figure surgery or maybe even higher, depending on how severe the injury was that he would have to take care of completely on his own. So uh, to me, that's a huge story. I, I am seriously interested, though, if you guys consider this a big story. Uh, there's actually a, another sort of sub scoop, if you will, that I that I have here. But I'm interested to hear if you think this is a big story. And also, why do you think this was has not been covered? I think that um, here, here's what I find odd. You know, he was he had a handshake deal with Triple H last April. Uh, to walk away free and clear, provided that they didn't slander each other on the way out the door. Um, but Vince McMahon stepped in and decided to enforce uh, the rollover portion of the contract with the missed time due to injury. That tells me that Vince McMahon was more concerned with Rey Mysterio walking into onto someone else's television show uh, than he was with this story right here getting out, which strikes me as incredibly bizarre. And maybe if <laughs> maybe if that happened after the CM Punk stuff, Vince Vince's reaction would have been different and at that point he just would have let him go. So but 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 it still strikes me as odd as as to it was more important to Vince McMahon to potentially uh, you know put his company in a position to look terrible if this were ever to get out. <laughs> Than to just let him go to Lucha Underground on a station that twenty thousand people, you know, on a show that twenty thousand people are watching, um, it, that just it 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 really speaks to the vindictive nature of that guy, to where it, you know he he chose you know choice A rather than choice that makes no sense to me, um, no. that, that that strikes me as completely bizarre. Yeah, and I mean I think it's important, and maybe this is the best way to frame it, based on everything I know. They basically used this guy's history of injuries, most of which were sustained under their watch when he was busting his ass for them as a as a means to hold him hostage. <laughs> I mean, if you if you look at it in that context, it is an especially evil way to deal with a talent. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, like it, I mean, it's 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 really a mind blowing way to deal with a talent. But, you know, after the Punk story came out, I, I think even if you believe Punk exaggerated some of the details, which I think is probably true, but e even if even if that's the case, I think there's a lot here that uh, should be examined much more closely. And the fact that it's not been and I have my own theories on that. But again, I'm going to pitch this one more time. Why do you think this hasn't been? Rich, do you have a thought on this? Yeah, I'm, I've, I've been trying to process it. I'm trying to think and. I really I, I cannot come up with a reason why it wouldn't be or why people wouldn't sort of dig into that if people knew. And I, I'm sort of assuming that you, you know, you kind of you called it an open secret in the sense that people kind of knew this was going on and no one said anything or, or I cannot fathom why, especially I mean, I get it pre CM Punk thing. Maybe that's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's, you know, whatever. But then when it comes out and that's such a big part of that story and it's such a huge thing. And, and, and we shouldn't just think of it as a nothing before CM Punk said, I mean, that's it's a horrible, horrible thing that happened or whatever. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, in the post CM Punk, I, uh, even after now that lawsuit and it's still not going to be something someone says, I, 
I don't know if Joe's got a better. I, I can't think of why people wouldn't say something about it other than just sort of rolling their eyes at the fact that Ray got hurt so many times that that it's maybe likely, you know, something that they should, you know, WWE should be aware of or, or should be cognizant of. But like you said, the fact that it's a hostage situation, essentially, that that's a whole different story than saying, you know, it's different than saying, you know, hey, we're, we're, we, we need to put something in your contract that if you get hurt, we can only be, you know, XXX because you're a great threat to us because you get hurt all the time. I and mean, that that's a very sports ask thing but the fact that it's sort of tied in with your contract continuing to re, you know renew automatically forever is just a very odd yeah i i i can't come up with a good theory so i don't know i'm, I'm interested in yours well i mean he, here's here's what i think um and and part of this and really i'm using this as a segue to the other sub scoop <laughs> is <laughs> i i suspect and this is something that I have really seen a lot. Um, the more, and, and I'm sure you guys see this too. The more sort of connections you get are, are things you hear through the rumor mill that you can then verify at a later date. The more you realize a lot of stuff doesn't go reported. Now, I don't blame the reporters for that. I don't blame Meltzer for that. I don't blame Mike Johnson for that. Not entirely anyway, because they've got to protect their sources too. Just as I'm sure. not going to come on here and say where I, I mean, I, I was conflicted about even doing this. But I've heard, I've heard this. I think this is such an important thing to discuss, given everything that's came out, come out with CM Punk and other uh, wellness and health related issues in that company that I feel like it absolutely has to at least be discussed. And if I'm wrong on some of the details, good. Let Dave Meltzer or somebody else come out and correct me. Uh, but at least let's have let's have this out in the open. Um, but I, I suspect what the issue is, is there are people that are reporters who are reporters, but they are also friends of people. They're protecting sources. Mm -hmm. They're trying to deal with the subject matter the best way that they possibly can without exposing somebody or without screwing somebody over. And, you know, I think what may have happened here is Ray's situation. The theory was uh, from the reporters, possibly, that if we report on this, it's going to make Ray's situation worse. Because we already know that they didn't want the hand the, the the deal that they basically agreed to uh, back at the end of last year for this release to be happening now they didn't want that to come out at all they, you know that, that was basically that was part of the deal was if anybody finds out that this release is happening for sure if it's leaked and it's reported then the, then it's going to fall through you know and you know the reality is it already fell through once because I happen to know this is another thing I know for an absolute fact which I've heard from multiple people that they were the, the Ray deal was almost a done deal and, and he was almost out the door and they were almost ready to announce it back in the early part of the winter. And there was a preliminary report um, that was made by a, by a wrestling journalist, not Dave Meltzer. You could read between the lines there that implied uh, that, that Ray Mysterio might, uh, uh, might be doing uh, a, a session uh, you know, or an, an event with a, with a certain promoter, um, namely Tommy Dreamer for House of Hardcore. And uh, it got out. It started to started. To, it, it was killed before it got out big time. I don't think I don't think it really made huge rounds. And that's that's what sort of led to the tightening of the belt again. And the question of whether or not Ray was going to be released immediately again. And it took another, I don't know, six, eight weeks from that point. For, for this to be sort of solidified. Uh, they were ready to come forward. My understanding was 
almost immediately back then, and everything got delayed and screwed up uh, at that point. And that's something, again, that I've heard from uh, multiple people. Um, you know, I mean, look, the, the, the point is, I think the point here is this issue of the WWE potentially holding a wrestler, a very popular wrestler hostage, and using his long-term injuries, many of which were sustained under their watch against them, is, it's a major, 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 major story. And I think the fact, well, I shouldn't say the fact, but I think the possibility that it wasn't reported on because of the fear that it would make Rey Mysterio's situation worse is mm-hmm. also an interesting story into itself because it makes you wonder what is and isn't getting reported that we're not fi- that we're, that we're not finding out in real time regarding some of these guys. And again, that's not a, a wholesale criticism of, of Dave Meltzer or Mike Johnson or, or Wade Keller or whoever. It's for a a sort of uh, a comment uh, on the fact that I think you need to be you need to we need to start reading these wrestling reports and wrestling journalism or whatever the hell term you want to use to describe it. We need to start learning to read between the lines on a lot of this stuff. Because I think if you read between the lines, there's a lot of things you can learn that are maybe not explicitly stated. And uh, this Rey Mysterio situation, I think uh, it's also worth mentioning that, uh, you know, again, shortly before the show tonight, I was I was contacted by somebody who told me that it's actually even worse than what I know (laughs) (laughs) and and that the details, um, if they ever come out, could be much, much worse than, than what is publicly reported up to this point and what I'm saying right now on the show. So uh, this story is a, a huge story that I, I think has potential to be um, a sort of a long-lasting story over several months uh, with little things sort of trickling out or p- perhaps even big things sort of emerging um, you know, as time goes forward. Well, you know, I can understand the perspective of um... – not reporting this stuff while Ray was still with the company because they didn't want to hurt his chances to get out of the company. But now that he is out of the company, why wouldn't you report something like this? And that's a, and that's a good question. And that, that's, that's what concerns me a little bit, Joe, to be honest, because I agree with you. I I could sort of justify the argument of, of not screwing a guy's, you know, situation worse. Uh, but, but they're really, and here's the thing. Can I prove that, you know, the, the big time reporters knew these details ahead of time? I can't. Well, in one case, actually, in, <laughs> in, in, actually, in two cases, I can. But but um, the reality is it's nothing that I could disclose publicly. But the, but the 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 point is it doesn't. It, they knew they knew this stuff. They did. They absolutely knew it, because, first of all, there's no way I know it if they don't. Okay, that's that's for one. But 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 two, they knew this stuff. And this is something that is a huge news story that should be in the news cycle. It should be talked about. It should be discussed. And, uh, you know, I can't. But, you know, then again, there's there's other questions you have to consider. I mean, I, I have pretty damn good reason um i i mean i couldn't possibly have better sources for this to believe that rick blair did go to rehab i guess it was last year the year before whatever it was and that was never publicly reported it was speculated on 
uh, but it was never publicly reported. Now, I don't think that's as big a story. I think uh, if a retired wrestler goes in for rehab and, you know, whatever. But if Hulk Hogan was the one who'd gone in for rehab and not Ric Flair, don't you think it would have been reported on? I do. I, I, I think that sort of speaks to the issue of, of sources and how you want now, certain people portrayed and things of that nature. Now, now, as far as the Rey Mysterio thing, do you know if that was at the behest of, of Ray possibly saying, hey, look, I don't want to be the center of attention for this thing. I don't want to be, you know, we know that CM Punk doesn't mind that. CM Punk probably relishes being the centerpiece of this, whereas Rey Mysterio is not that way. I think, do we know if that's just well, him think, telling I, these guys or somebody figuring what, out? I or, think that's kind of what Dylan was hinting at, where... Where you know, it, you know, where these guys, uh, maybe some of these writers are friendly with Ray, and again, they didn't want right, to screw okay. his chances of escaping. I, I think, and that's why I just meant are those guys being the gatekeepers, or is Ray going, "Hey, look, I'll tell you this, but could you just not?" I you think, know, I, I, I mean, that, you that's what I'm kind of curious. You guys about. know yeah. from stuff you hear that sometimes people say, "Don't say anything." Sometimes mm-hmm. they say, "Definitely don't say anything," <laughs> and sometimes they say, "Well, you know, I don't care what you do with this. Just don't attribute it to me." I mean, we—you've all heard that. I mean, we've all sure. heard that. I mean, I'm not even—I have a—I'm a guy on Twitter with a podcast that I do once every couple months, and I hear that. You know, I don't even have a regular website like you guys do. Um, I, I am almost a hundred percent sure that in one of the it, it, that Ray or at least raised people did not want at least some aspects of that story getting out. But here's the problem. It still doesn't answer Joe's point, which is why is that, why is that something that isn't being covered now? And, and I I think that's really important, especially because of the stuff we know about punk and, and the, and the, and and the lawsuit. I mean, here you got a guy who's potentially involved in a seven figure lawsuit, right? And like a million dollars he wants. And uh, it's big. Yeah, yeah. it's it's big. I mean, it's a, it's a sizable lawsuit. And you've got another person who was involved in the same company at the same time. Now, look, this you could I'm sure people will argue that this is completely separate because in one instance, you're talking about somebody either misdiagnosing or screwing the pooch or whatever on treatment. And in another case, you're talking about the company higher ups holding people hostage. But generally speaking, it falls all under the umbrella of sort of health and wellness. And. You would think that that's something that you would want to cover. And again, I, 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 I um, you know, people think I pick on Dave Meltzer all the time. I like Dave Meltzer. I have absolutely no problem with Dave. Every single interaction I've ever had with him has been positive. Um, it's not like I'm picking. I mean, he's got a much harder job than I could ever have trying to balance all this crap and, and, and not piss people off and keep sources and not. But. There are certain things that fall through the cracks that shouldn't fall through the cracks. And I think this story is a perfect example of something that shouldn't fall through the cracks. And, you know, it's uh, I understand that there are, you know, friendships and and Mm -hmm. personal issues involved sometimes with these guys. But when I looked at The Observer today and this story was not even hinted at in there, I thought, man, it's just it's just not right. I mean, this is a story. I mean, to the extent that people give a shit about the morality of wrestling reporting, but like, you know, I mean, obviously we do to one degree or another, or we wouldn't be dedicating our lives to, 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 uh, doing podcasts and, and, uh, reviewing crap and all that. I mean, it, this is a, um, this is something that, uh, I think people should treat seriously. And I'm sure there are people who will listen to this and say, I don't think that's that big of a story, or I don't think it really matters that much in the grand scheme of things, but. Um, just imagine you were in Rey Mysterio Jr.'s uh, shoes. <laughs> if what I just said is true, 
and again, I have no reason to disbelieve it based on everything I've heard. If what I just said is true, imagine you were in his shoes and you tell me if you think that'd be a big story to you in your life. And given that this is a major company uh, and given that this is a company that employs hundreds of people, this is a huge issue. And, you know, if you, you know, you guys have talked about this a lot recently, how there's not just one place to work anymore, how these guys, these guys are, are leaving. They want to leave. You know, um, they can make money elsewhere. I mean, that's been a big theme that, that you guys have talked about on the show over the last several months. Um, this, to me, also is an important story because it tells you the WWE is cognizant of that. They, they this, they're, they're not ignorant of that. You know, there's the sort of mentality that they display publicly of, oh, well, you know, we're the big time and everybody else is Bush League. And, yeah, if you want to go do your thing and, you know whatever in some third tier operation that's fine on you but what look they clearly care <laughs> they absolutely care they can say they don't care but based on what i know about certain contract offers that have come up recently for some of these guys that they're trying to bring in and what we know about this story ray mysterio and what they we know about the alberto del rio story they absolutely do care and yes, they've got 90% market share, whatever the hell it is in the United States. But the point is, this is a very insecure company, a very insecure company. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean they're not the top dog. That doesn't mean they're in any danger. I don't think anybody would say that. But their insecurities are creating a situation where I actually think they're poised to lose even more top level talent who are just not going to put up with this shit anymore. You know, it's interesting because, um, you know, you're talking about Meltzer and, and people like Meltzer and Keller and, and Mike Johnson not talking about this story um, and, and we're speculating as to maybe why. But, you know, Conan is in the wrestling media as well, and he has a podcast, and obviously he has intimate knowledge of all this stuff. And he never really said anything either. So That's true. That, that, yeah, that, I didn't hear anything on Bauer and Pollock. I listened to that, and, and obviously Corp Bauer and Conan are, are – you know, business partners and MLW and all that sort of stuff. No, I didn't hear a word there either. So. so that leads me to believe that, you know, it, it, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt and say that all these guys just want, didn't want to screw the guy. And that's, and, that's very, very possible. And, and I, so, and I fully... the, 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 so the big key moving forward, and we've already seen Meltzer say his piece post release is what we get out of all of these guys now moving forward. Um, and if they're willing to talk about it now, because like I said, I, there really is no motivation not to bring it up now. If you know the story and you know, if the story is legitimate and if you do know the story, there's, there's no, that, that motivation is no longer there. He's free. He can do what he wants now. Uh, they have no control over him. So if they want to report this, they can. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens. I, you know, and Conan is not a guy who's ever going to mince word. He doesn't give a shit what he says. So, you know, if, 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 if he, you know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, the next time he does his podcast, what he has to say, if, if he lets some, some things out of cats out of the bag that he wasn't willing to let out before. So, you know, let's see what happens moving forward. Yeah, this is, this is a story. And, and I'll be honest with you. I expect to get shit for this, including from, from some of the people who told me some of these things. Um, because I usually don't, go this public with anything I hear. You guys know that for a fact. And um, I, I really don't. I almost never. But because of the situation involving uh, the, the lawsuit with Punk and the health and wellness issues with the promotion and some of just their general contractual issues 
with guys uh, in recent years. To me, I, I could I couldn't sit on this in good conscience, and uh, I, to me, this is the kind of thing that people at least need to be discussing. Um, I don't, I, you know, and uh, I understand why it may not have happened. Uh, I agree with your point, Joe, uh, that it'll be interesting to see what what is discussed going forward on this subject. But uh, this is this is a story. It's a story of substance. And, uh, you know, if it if, if it's something that uh, doesn't get addressed, I think that suggests that there is a nondisclosure in place um, with these parties. If there's something, if it's something that does get addressed, uh, it could get even nasty. Well, I mean, they, they can stop Ray from talking about it. They they have they can't stop someone like Conan from talking about it. They can't stop Wade Keller from doing a podcast about it. You know, the, the only person they can control is 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 Ray Mysterio based on correct, the terms yeah. of the release. And really, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it, he wasn't even released. Just his contract has now officially run out. Or did that, they release him? Am I wrong about that? Uh, okay. Um, I I believe, and I don't know this. I I don't. I this I should say I, because I, okay, I hate to cut you off, but because initially they were going to release him in the winter yes. until the yes. Tommy Dreamer stuff came out. Then they got pissed off and 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 said, no, 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 forget it. We told you we didn't want any of this coming out, so now we're holding you through the contract. I was under the impression, and maybe it's right there in front of me in black and white when I skimmed through the Observer before we started this show, but I was under the impression that his contract has now simply run out. But I, I again, uh, I could be wrong. I believe you I, – I think it might be a slightly early release, but I'm not positive of that. Uh, my understanding was that he had basically a year from like the middle of March or April. Uh, so it's a little bit early, but I, I, I'll be the first to, to concede that I don't know for a fact whether that is true or not. Um, of course, the WWE argument uh, in this is that they could have rolled him over again had they wanted to because mm-hmm. he'd not worked the dates. And that is a, something that I know for an absolute fact was expressed to him at at least one point not that long ago. So Now hold on a yeah. second. He hasn't worked since the day after WrestleMania, but wasn't that the company's choice? He's not hurt. Um, didn't they yank him off TV? To kind well, of Dylan sort of mentioned that at the beginning that they sort of maybe haphazardly or, or, or said that, hey, here's some ideas we have for you, but don't get hurt because we were not going to pay for it. Yes. I think that's what Dylan's yeah. point uh, I mean, at the beginning okay, was, is right, that right. to use that as the background to say, hey, look, Ray, we said you could come in April yep. or, you know, like, hey, we booked this for you if you wanted. Like, they always kind of kept that nugget out there, even if they didn't seriously want to do it, just so they could kind of hold that over his head of, hey, come back in May. But don't get hurt or else, you know. And in effect, attempt to roll him over again because he didn't choose to come back. And they could always hang it over. Hey, you know, we had that thing for you at Survivor Series and you said you didn't want to or, you know, so. Yes. Yes. And I think that I think that's I think that's really what what, I I have very good reason to believe that's what happened. Um, I I don't uh, I don't I don't know that they ever had a good faith idea for Ray. (laughs) I just think, uh, you know, there was the theory that, well, we're we're going to. uh, we're going to put you uh, in potentials because another thing you got to understand with Ray is in the past, they've told him, you know, we're going to use you limited dates. We're going to, you know, y- you may only even be doing appearances or whatever with no matches or maybe involved in like a trio or something. But, and then next thing you know, he's working a full schedule again. <laughs> so that, that's a, that's another reason I'm sure that he was sort of like, I don't even want to agree to that. 
you know, because you know, maybe while, it's they... a you know, maybe it's a personality thing with Ray. Maybe he's just a passive guy and they've been able to walk over him because, you know, CM Punk and Alberto Del Rio, who nobody <laughs> would call passive men, uh, they're definitely stronger, strong willed individuals. Uh, they both played the independent contractor card and told WWE to fuck off. So <laughs> and, and, and and WWE backed down in both situations because you know they 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 knew they 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 had to essentially you know and maybe Ray is just the kind of guy who who look you know maybe he's not an alpha male type like those guys are and they were able to just you know manipulate him in in this way i, I you know i'm just throwing it out there i don't know That's ray mysterio possible. and i don't know anybody who knows ray mysterio and i have no idea he might be you know more fiery than those other two guys are but i i definitely you know don't get that impression i mean those two guys seem like no not well don't we know that they're no nonsense guys who just don't take any shit and they just threw that right in the company's face, the independent contractor thing, and they both just moonwalked right out of there. And you know, and and with Ray, you know, maybe he's someone they could push around. Well, well real, I, real quick, one. Yep. Oh, go, go ahead, Dylan. I was, Sorry. I was just going to say one, one sort of minor addition to that, Joe, is I I, I was told by somebody that when Ray's uh, uh, when the the Titantron of Ray at Triple Mania happened last year, which was like a big thing at the time, like oh my God, he actually did this. You know, the video of him at the show, which didn't air on the pay-per-view uh, or wasn't supposed to anyway. Uh, but when that happened, I was I some this was right around the time I first started to get a lot of these details from people. And I was told by someone uh, that there were pe the people in the WWE office could not believe that Ray, of all people, did that. So you may be right, <laughs> you know, because they were apparently shocked. Like they were, I mean, they knew he was, was, you know, had talked about being at the show that AAA had teased it, but apparently there were still people that were completely shocked that he actually visually appeared there. And I, the impression I got was the reason that they were shocked was because of who Ray is personality wise. Well, there you go. And you know, he probably showed more guts than brains by showing up at Lucha Underground too. That was not smart. <laughs> um, you know, th that, that's the place they're trying to keep him from. And, you know, he's hanging out in the back, you know, taking pictures and, and chilling with his homies. Probably not, <laughs> probably not the wisest strategy at the time from Ray, to be fair here. No, I, and I think that, but I also think, you know, and he, I think from his perspective at that point, I, I, and I don't know this. Well, I, I don't de definitively know this, but I, I think from that point, he probably had come to the conclusion that, it, it almost doesn't matter what I do. If I shut up and don't cash my paychecks and, and suffer in silence, they may roll me over anyway. If I make a public scene, you know, who knows what could happen? I mean, Del Rio beat the hell out of some guy from social media and he got everything <laughs> he wanted in the end. So uh, I, I think he probably at that point was just sort of like, forget it. Whatever, whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to stop uh, living my life and doing what I want to do. Do you guys uh, well, one think, thing that do you guys, oh, sorry, go, sorry, Rich, do you do you guys think that Vince makes a different decision in April of 2014 if 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 that is post all of the punk stuff that we've seen come out since in terms of at that point, just letting him walk away with that handshake, uh, agreeing to the non-disclosure? Do you think Vince makes a different decision then or do you think that he's simply that? insane to really <laughs> to, to really place more value on keeping him you know off of a standard definition show that nobody's watching in the United States 
over the potential of, of this story breaking out. What do you guys think about that? Do you think it would have played out differently post post punk lawsuit? Well, here here's my answer to that. Um, and I know this is a separate thing topic that will probably be discussed by you guys later. It, does Bill Demott still have a job? <laughs> As of the time of this recording, I, I mean, indeed, that, yes. My, 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 <laughs> yes. My point is, I don't think that Vince does um, anything based on rational calculus the way we would understand it. You know, I don't. I, I just don't think he does. I think he does things based on whatever. And, and oddly enough, I think the reason he's that way is also the reason he's been so successful. It's just now it's become a liability because he's, he's to, to use a, a Lanzaism here, his finger's not on the pulse anymore. You know, he's not a, uh, he's not totally with it. He doesn't necessarily have an idea of what works, what doesn't the way that people have in the past. So, um, you know, but I don't, I really don't think it would have made any difference. I think uh, he might've gotten advice from some people that was maybe a little bit better with people saying, Hey Vince, you might not want to do, but I don't think he would have listened. No way. I agree. I agree. Uh, w- one thing that I wanted to, to bring up real quick before we uh, let, let you go, Dylan, or you, you can stand forever if you want to talk Dragon Gate with us as well. But uh, <laughs> for people, you, you know, it's, you'd sort of mentioned that it's not really a sexy story. Not a lot of people are talking about it for, you know, whatever reasons it may be. And maybe after this, we'll get some more people or maybe people will just shrug it off and go, what, you know, what's the big deal or whatever. We have a lot of new listeners as well. We have a lot of people that aren't really in tune. How does WWE usually handle major surgeries for their competitors? Guys, you, you know, we, we, you and I might know this, and, and we all know this or whatever, but for the people that might not, how would they handle that for a John Cena type, for, uh, you, you know, a Randy Orton type, or those sort of guys, which Rey Mysterio absolutely is of those, you know, of those sort of guys. I mean, he is of that level. How would they handle surgeries in terms of just fully payment, or is there something that the guys have to do? Just so people understand how unique it is that they were sort of hanging over that, hey, look, we're not going to pay for you at all. Well, Dixie Carter style. Right. <laughs> Hand him a bill. I, I, if, if my understanding, if that, if it's is, is that, and I could be wrong about this uh, in the sense that I'm not sure that this is applicable in every single case. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. in fact, I'm almost positive people could point to examples where this wasn't the case. Um, but my understanding is, if you get hurt on the job, um, as a direct consequence of the job, they're going to foot at minimum a substantial portion of that bill. Sure. Um, now they may, I don't think they always pay all the full rehab costs, for example. I think that's in fact, I, I've been told by somebody in the past that they don't. Um, but the surgery itself, I mean, look, do you guys know the name Dr. James Andrews? I have heard of him. Yes. Yeah. Why do you know him? Besides the fact that he's a famous sports doctor. Because, well, I was going to say, <laughs> be, because if you, <laughs> he does be, every sports surgery. But, but the point is, if you've watched wrestling for years, even yeah, you know, Triple H, you know, the does the every surgery, WWE surgery. Yeah, right, exactly. That's right. right. And and uh, the reason he does every WWE surgery isn't because he's the personal practitioner of everybody on the roster. It's it's <laughs> it's because the WWE, to a large extent, puts these bills, and in some cases, right. I believe, foots them entirely. So. Uh, and, and the point you made there, Rich, I think is really important, which is, um, you know, Ray is a top guy. I, I think I think that is something that really um, and, and look, they should be fitting the bill for anybody. I don't care if it's Zack Ryder. Agreed. If you break your leg in the ring, doing, I mean, but the point is, the point is, Ray is a top guy. And he's not been treated as a top guy by that company, even though he's sold tons of merch, more than anybody in modern history, with the exception of John Cena. He's been a huge ratings draw for them at times. He's expanded their demographic. 
Uh, he's been a great worker and a loyal worker over the years. This is a guy who has never really been treated well by that company relative to what his actual star power is. Um, and, and, and I, granted, I'm a huge Rey Mysterio fan, but I would say that even if I wasn't a Rey Mysterio fan, I mean, all you got to do is look at the number of masks this guy sold over the years to know that. And, uh, you know, the point is if Randy Orton had, 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 had an injury like this, a series of injuries, which he has, I might add, do you think for one second that, that, uh, Vince McMahon, uh, would a force him into the ring before he was ready to perform on injuries over and over and over again, which happened with Rey Mysterio many times over the years and B then refused to pay for future surgeries. I mean, there's just no way that would happen to Randy Orton. I mean, I, I like, there's no way on earth that would happen to Randy Orton. And Randy Orton is a guy that frankly, and I know you guys will agree with this. I'm sure some people who listen to this will think I'm nuts. The reality is Randy Orton is nowhere near the star Rey Mysterio is. It's not close. No, Randy Orton. No argument here. No argument here. Stratosphere. <laughs> no. I mean, it's not. It's not even. I mean, to me, that's not even debatable. Like no. Uh, and the only and, reason anyone, you know, it, it, if if anyone were to debate that, it's just because he may have been presented as as an equal in terms of an equal star. But in the reality, if you look at any kind of business metric, he's not even. It's not even. It's not even worthy of discussion. No, it's not. And, but but I. Do you guys agree with me that if the situation was reversed and Randy Orton, I mean. It, like, does anybody think the WWE would say, Randy Orton, we're not paying for any more surgeries? <laughs> right. It would be if you very, dislocate your shoulder one more time, you are done. We don't care. Like, yeah. Look, no. it'd be very hard to imagine. I mean, you know, you can't sit here and definitively say, but it would be very difficult to imagine that scenario playing out. And this is a guy, and Randy Orton's a guy who's had his wellness issues, like Ray. I mean, this is, so they're comparable in many ways. Is, I mean, uh, look, yeah, yeah, definitely. It, 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 it this is, Bottom line is, uh, this is a situation that is um, worth covering, worth talking about. I appreciate you guys letting me come on the show to talk about it. I hope people aren't bored by my ranting. You know, usually I'm, 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 uh, you know, talking about the Hall of Fame case of somebody or. <laughs> If there's one thing voice the wrestling listeners hate, it's long-winded conversations. <laughs> so I, I think you're okay. So you know, but. I just you know, this was uh, this was something that I, I wanted to wanted to get off of my chest, and um, I, I thought it needed to be done when I read the Observer today, and there was really nothing in the Observer that even directly addressed this. So people can decide whether or not it's all that newsworthy or not. I think it is. I think you guys probably think it is, but at the very least, it's something that should be discussed, given everything we know about WWE contracts, WWE health and wellness, the inconsistencies with the way they treat their. The, the frankly the 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 issues that they have had with their uh, Latin American star since the three biggest ones they've had in recent teaming as a trio in AAA, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I think all those things make this story uh, interesting and and worth uh, covering. So thanks for letting me on to do it tonight, guys. Absolutely, thank you, Dylan, for coming on. Joe, any last thoughts before we head off with uh, Dylan? No, you know, like, you know, again, if he wants to break down Akira, Tozawa, and uh, and Casey, <laughs> he's We're right here to for stay it. on the line. Hey, look, but I, I heard he loved that match. I, don't think I heard he loved it. Look, look, look. If you guys, <laughs> if if we were going into like a Ring of Honor discussion, or, or New Japan, or WWE, or All Japan, or even DDT. I would We're really be, excited about Dragon Gate. This I week, would be so. all in, <laughs> but you know, Dragon Gate. I'm not going to bury your, your, the, your, your guys' uh, f favorite or second favorite promotion on the show. 
I'm just going to say it's not for me. <laughs> All right. That is perfectly okay. Dylan, uh, Dylan Hales, you can follow him on Twitter at Dylan Waco. He also, as I mentioned, the co-host of the Wrestling Culture Podcast. And anytime there's a major pay-per-view, you can probably find him on the Place to Be Nation's pay-per-view reaction shows, whether it's NXT, whether it's WWE, whether it's Ring of Honor. He's there. Dylan, we appreciate your time and, and the information. Uh, we'll have to do this again sometime soon, especially when we talk about Sting and the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. So. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Okay, and now we're back. Rich and Joe here. Uh, thanks again to Dylan for jumping on and giving us some information there about Rey Mysterio. Uh, let's talk Ring of Honor. I uh, had a big pay-per-view here on Sunday. Uh, I know you and I had both watched it. I missed the first few matches, but I saw the bulk of it. Uh, overall thoughts before we get into it. This is their 13th anniversary show. It's from Las Vegas. Uh, a well-received show for everything, basically, except for the main event, and, and we'll kind of get into that. But uh, your overall thoughts. I thought uh, up I know you, I, you enjoyed it. I loved it. I mean, I, I thought up until the main event, it was a great show, not a good show. The main event was a dumpster fire. That was... Yeah, the main event stunk. <laughs> but we, we've talked about this a lot of times, and this is more your narrative than mine, but you'll take a show that's solid up and down the card, um, you know, with maybe a lousy main event rather than a show... This was like the opposite oh, sure. of Fastlane. OK, because this show was solid, it was was more than solid all the way through until the main event. And then the main event stunk. Fastlane was terrible until the main events. So it was kind of like the opposite of Fastlane. And I, I'll take a card like this a million times over. This is almost kind of like um, Monday Night Raw era WCW pay-per-view where the main event is terrible and the undercard is great. And. You know, WWE was the opposite, where they had the great main events and the terrible undercards. It's, it kind of had yeah, that feel to it. Even when I'm live at a show or even when I'm watching a show, man, I would rather be entertained through the first two hours and then the main – because I'm always going to be tired more times than not when I'm done. After three hours of watching wrestling more times than not, I'm kind of tired by the main event. Give me the good stuff before. Like Fastlane, I was yawning, and by the time the main event was happening, yeah, it was into those main events. But, man, I was just like – fighting back yawns and you know drinking coffee to try to stay awake or whatever and and when you go live to shows i love a show where the the bottom five matches are great and the main event hey if the main event's good then you're gonna have a really fired up crowd because they're already ready to go i never bought into the and and that's the old we've talked about it before the old ring of honor narrative that oh the crowd was burnt out for the main event bullshit those car like those old classic gabe ones is it was just two three four hours of just nonstop action it was fine that didn't okay. bother me. I mean, this show it had me hyped up for the main event versus if it was, you know, I, I went to those, you know, the, the Adam Pierce era stuff and the undercard was like yawn. And then the main event was good. But by the time the main event happened, I was I was exhausted already. I was kind of bored and tired and ready to go home. But hey, you're annoyed so I, you, I'll, haven't, I'll, you haven't seen anything take. to get your energy level up yet. Exactly. I'll always take a, a well-balanced card over a bunch of shit main evented by something pretty good. It, yeah. And that's why the, the, the terrible main event and make no mistake, this main event was terrible. <laughs> That's why this terrible main event didn't kill this card for me. I still, Not at all. I didn't no. put a bad taste in my mouth. I still came away from this card really excited. I, I was, you know, I, I get jacked up, Rich, when I see good wrestling. And, and, and this card had me all jacked up and excited about Ring of Honor and excited about wrestling because I really love this card. And the main event wasn't enough to bring me down. And it's, it's uh, you know, I thought this was on its way watching this. Well, watching it live on tape because I, I did not watch it live. I had it DVR'd. Uh, I was out. I came home, watched the show, stayed away from Twitter because, you know, I don't I don't you know, I'm not looking to be spoiled. So I stayed away. I was I was off the grid, came home, watched the show and going into the main event. I was thinking to myself, this is a show of the year contender if this main event delivers, because that's how good I thought the undercard was. And I think I'm, I might be the high man on a few of these matches, but I guess we should just go through it. 
Yeah, let's let's, let's go yeah, through. We'll start the first with um, few matches, right? Yeah, so I did not see Seidel. Yeah, I did not then. see Seidel at Alexander. I saw the last half of Moose Mars Briscoe, and then I've seen everything else after oh, that. So you missed so. one match, one and a half. Yeah, only one. Yeah, so I thought I missed more, but I, but that was it. So well, Seidel Alexander. Look, I thought this was a great opener. I thought this was a picture perfect opener. This is what you want out of an opener. Okay, you don't want Big Show and Kane in a trios match, <laughs> working it like a house show match as your opener. This is what you want as your opener. Action, Joe. Action. I want action, Joe. Yes. Good action, <laughs> an exciting match, worked at a brisk pace to get the crowd into the match. And let me tell you, this is how promoters, this is how bookers used to build their wrestling shows. They give you action early to get you into it. And, you know, WWE used to do the same thing. How many times did we see in the late 80s and the early 90s the Rockers open up a pay-per-view? I mean, oh, all the time. Yeah, I mean, I don't have it in front of me. No, but... It's a consistent thing for a while. I mean, it really, I mean, you really could go back, but I, I know even in the 2000s, you would get, you know, a cruiserweight match or whatever. You would even get, even when, even in the lowly cruiserweight division, if it was Spike Dudley versus Billy Kidman or whatever, you were still getting that as the opener. Yeah. Like that, that's, that was going to be, you know, Rey Mysterio famously was, did a lot of openers and they were big openers, but, you know, SummerSlam 2002, you know, him and Kurt Angle is a big, you know, those are two big names, but at that point, they wanted a quick-paced opener, and they got one. It was awesome. And somewhere along the line, WWE just got away from that, and I don't understand it. But this was and, – and, and look, the, the, I, I think because this match was an opener and worked like a traditional opener, I may have rated it a little higher than if it was the sixth match on the card. Does that make sure. sense? Because they, no, they worked it as an opener, as they should have worked. So, you know, positioning on the card matters when you're when you're you're watching a show in context and watching a match in the context of a show, you know, really matters uh, when you're when you're grading these guys on their work and whatnot. So um, I don't know what you have. Do you have the are these the observer ratings that you have? These on are the show? observer ratings here. Okay, because yes. Dylan actually reviewed it for the site, the show for the site. Um, you know, I gave my own ratings for the matches. I don't know if you did, but we're looking. So the so uh, Meltzer gave that opener three and a quarter. I think. Yeah, let me fire up Dylan's. Uh, Dylan, I can right tell here. you exactly. He gave it two and a half, and uh, I. He's gave, probably gonna be your low man, but. And, you know, <laughs> I gave it four and a quarter. I I thought it was that wow. good. I this was an, it was an awesome match. In fact, the, I, and I've seen. I'd say I've seen a fair sampling of Matt Seidel since he returned from the injury. This was his best performance as he's returned from the injury. This looked like the Matt Seidel of old. His stuff was crisp. His stuff was smooth. His stuff was on point. And Cedric Alexander held up his end, too. It looks like they're doing a slow burn heel turn for Cedric Alexander, which I have no mm -hmm. problem with. Because this is a guy who needs some kind of direction in this company. And I think yeah. a heel turn would do him some good. And, and just everything about this match worked for me. I really love this match. Uh, you should probably find a way to go back and see it. So I okay, can take will. on it because it I looks saw, like I'm the high man. Dave's in the middle and Dylan is, is, you know, the three ratings we have in there. I, I think I started watching it and now, now I remember what happened. I had to run some errands. So I, I, I turned it on. I watched maybe two minutes and I had to go run an errand so I could come back for the rest of it. Cause I just sort of assumed, eh, whatever. I'm not going to miss much here, but apparently I did. So I will, I will go back and definitely watch that one. So because it's interesting because the three ratings that we have are all exactly like one star apart. Mm -hmm. so it's like there's there's a wide you know the range here is pretty wide. I mean I've got it as you know if you you give a match four and a quarter stars that's that's a big deal a yeah borderline match of the year caliber match um and you know but you give a match two and a half stars like Dylan gave it or two and a quarter or whatever he gave it he gave it somewhere in that neighborhood that's like just a match 
And then you got Dave right in the middle where he. It was uh, two and three fourths, two and uh, three fourths. For, for Dylan. So it's uh, so I'd be interested I, I if you could get around to watching it, uh, what your take would be on it. But I, OK, I, yeah, I definitely will. Seidel won it with the uh, what's he call his finisher? The uh, we're so bad with these moves, Rich. I know. Yeah, don't don't make it. I, I don't know what he calls it. He, he, he won it with, you know, his flippy do and uh, call it a modified a modified what, Joe? Let's just go with a flippy do a modified flippy do. <laughs> and uh, he put away Alexander. But uh, and then Alexander, you know, did the, did the sub- his shooting star press. Yeah, 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 in the modified flippy do, you know, whatever. So <laughs> no, I oh you were you couldn't come up with shooting star press. I, look, I thought I had a clever name. I to couldn't it. think of it in the moment. Wow, yeah, I, right. know, I couldn't think of the uh, the shooting star press. But yeah, does he call something different? Airborne, well, the, airborne. That's what he calls it. Yes, thank you. That's what he. The, but I don't think he calls it that anymore. Uh, and, and as Matt Seidel, it was called the shooting Seidel press. I don't remember that, okay, but okay. So <laughs> we'll go probably back to just calling it a shooting star press. Yeah, that, the shooting I star think, press will work. Because so. he, he's not going to call it the air. He's doing the born play on words with his born again. It's Matt born again Seidel. Yes. So, yeah, I, you know, so so whatever. Everybody knows the move. The modified flippy do uh, put Cedric Alexander <laughs> away. There are a couple cool near falls here, but uh, let's get to something you watch too. Come on, let's move along. Yeah, sorry. Moose, Mark Briscoe. Okay. Uh, I'll go first, I guess. It, this was, look, you know, it was a little five-minute match, I guess, and 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 it served its purpose. Um, they're really going all the way with Moose here. Look, Moose is gradually improving. I'll give him that. But Moose is still not up to the working state. He's got a lot of ways. Of a company like Ring of Honor or a company like, you know, uh, he was working for WWN Live and did another one-off for them a couple of months ago. He's just not up to that working standard yet. I understand why these promoters are fascinated with him because you got yourself an ex-NFL player who was a terrible Ram, by the way. This guy <laughs> stunk for the Rams, okay? So he's already behind the eight ball with me, okay? Because I've sat through a decade of losing with this wretched team, and this guy's a big part of it, this old Janaka, all right? He came from Atlanta, uh, where, where supposedly he was a decent offensive lineman for Atlanta, okay? Comes to the Rams, doesn't do squat, okay? He was a terrible Ram, an awful Ram. All right, so he's already behind my eight ball, okay? And isn't that, look, he's slowly improving. He's gradually improving. But there's still something awkward about Moose that I just, I'm not yeah. Moose. And it's, it's funny because I, I, uh, a non-wrestling fan went with me to uh, Dreamwave a few weeks ago. And he was a guy who just, who casually is just like, hey, you know, he's up for anything. So I said, hey, I'm driving to LaSalle, Illinois, which is like two hours away. Do you want to come? And he goes, oh, hell yeah, I'll come or whatever. And, and one thing that he came away with, and, and, and he has a casual idea of, of wrestling. It's not like he's a complete non-fan. Like this is the first time he'd ever seen it. And when Moose came out, he went, holy crap, look at that guy. And then as the match went on, he's kind of going and he goes, yeah, he has something there, but it's just not he's weird. He's awkward. And he kept asking me questions like, why is he this? And he's like, he's slow. And he's like kind of soft about it. And he still seems like a guy playing pro wrestler, not a guy that is a pro wrestler or whatever. And I, yes. and I said, yeah, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, that's, that's, that's what people that, you know, and he's asking me, he's like, is that what you guys think? And I was like, you got it right on the head. Like, that's all, you know, the punches are kind of weird. And this is like, we're, we're in a very small arena here. We're, we're, we're probably, you know, 40 feet away from him at this point when we're, we're discussing this or whatever. And he goes, you know, his clothes, he doesn't have enough power. Like I, 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 when I see him, I think he should just be bowling guys over. I think he should have power. His, you know, he doesn't seem like he's punching well, he's not kicking well and all that sort of stuff. And I said, yeah, you, you, you kind of got what we have. And yeah, that's still the thing with him that, and, and I thought this match was the same thing too, where, where you're getting there. Uh, crowds are behind him, and they have good reason to be behind him. And he seems to have some amount of charisma. It's just the in ring has a lot of work to to, to do. He's just not let's, quite there. Let's be fair though, too. I mean, he's essentially a rookie. 
Oh, absolutely. He's yeah, only he's been still. Wrestling when did he start training? He's been wrestling since what, like 2012? I mean, he played. I think late 2012. Yeah, he played yeah, NFL. I mean, he was still in the league for 2011. Yeah. Right. So you know, you got a guy who's essentially a rookie because it's not like he's working a full time. Okay, this isn't the territory days where you know he he's working in a territory and working every night in a loop. Okay, so essentially he's still a rookie because he's only working. Ma- I mean, how many matches a month is this guy working? I mean, what he's probably working every weekend. Right. Maybe he's working every, you know, if we're being generous, I mean, he's working what? Four or five at most. Yeah. Yeah, Four four or five five matches a month. Yeah. I don't think he's doing double shots either. So, yeah, I mean, you know, so, you know, this is he this is a guy with the experience level of a rookie. So he's still green. And I and I he has been improving. I mean, you know, when and, and I'll tell you what, too, he's getting in better shape. I will give yes, him that too. His cardio was a lot better. He was very, uh, he, he did, he, he was very, he was a little chubby when he started. He, you know, and now he was an he's, offensive lineman. It takes a while for those offensive linemen. Sometimes, well, it depends. Sometimes those offensive linemen retire, and then with within two months, somehow they've shed, you know, two hundred pounds. Isn't of that amazing? You see these guys. It's, yeah, and and they and, and we know why. I mean, because they immediately get off the steroids and the human growth right. hormone or whatnot. And you have these guys who were three hundred and twenty pounds, and like you said, six months after retirement, you know, these guys they look they look. They show a picture of them running spelt. in a marathon, and they're yeah. They, yeah, they show a picture of them in a marathon with a little like sash on, and they're a, like two hundred and ten pounds. It's it like oh, really Jesus. is amazing how these offenses. So I mean, he he his changes aren't that drastic. Now he looks like a guy who's really been hitting the gym and tightening mm-hmm. up and. You know, who knows? Maybe doing other things. Who the hell knows? But uh, he enjoys Sour Patch Kids. I can confirm that. He he he. We were standing on the. There's like a bar that sells uh, where we were at at Dreamwave, and he bought, uh, I believe, three packs of Sour Patch Kids. So he still enjoys those. That's his cheat meal. Is, is Sour Patch? So right, well, you know, they they are. That's a that's a tasty treat. I can't really. <laughs> I enjoy it a lot. That, he likes. His, hey, hey. Can't overdo it with the Sour Patch Kids. You know, but I'd consider that a tasty. Actually, I can. I can. I, I actually I confirm they were Sour Patch straws. Not not the kids. They were not selling the kids. It's a different shape of the same uh, of the same. Oh game. no, no, Joe, it's a whole different ball game. Are you, a whole different you're telling game. me that tastes different? Um, I mean it depends flavor wise, yeah. If it's the same brand of candy rich. Yeah, but they're different. I mean, there's like grape and there's blueberry. Have you ever had sour patch straws? They're they're a lot different. It's a different experience. I don't know if I'm buying than, it. Than the standard Is it sour a different patch consistency kid? than the kid. Uh, well, it's a straw, first off, and not a kid. Well, again, so, see, listen, you can. No, the Sour Patch Kids like an assorted. The there's candy. like assorted flavors. No, no, no. There's like assorted flavors in the Sour Patch Kid. These are you buy a pack, and it's strictly blueberry straws, or it's strictly grape straws. Variety of flavor aside, here's what I'm getting at. <laughs> you can shape the candy like a child, like a straw, like a lump of shit. But if it's the same candy, it's going to taste the same, no? Well, different fl- flavors aside, yeah. yeah what does I mean? Right. Okay, okay. Let me, let me try this again. <laughs> I mean, they're dramatically okay. different flavors. Let me try this again, Rich. <laughs> if you take a grape sour patch kid, a grape sour patch straw, yes. and a okay. grape sour I mean, they don't have grape sour patch kids, and, but and that's all right. And a grape sour patch lump of shit. <laughs> They're all going to taste identical. This is my point. No, I mean, am I wrong here? Uh, okay, all right, yeah. I, I sense that you disagree, and I have to question <laughs> your logic here. It really okay. If I make you move a, on, if, for God's sake. If I make you a hamburger and shape yes. it like a traditional hamburger, and from that same batch of ground beef that I made that okay. hamburger, I shape it like a hot dog. Are you telling me that it's going to taste different? 
Uh, it depends on what my brain says. I don't know. It's going to taste exactly the same. Am I eating it on a hot dog bun or a hamburger bun? Whether I make it into a meatball, a hamburger, <laughs> uh, you know. I'm just being difficult at this point. I, I do agree. but I'm just clarifying they don't have grape Sour Patch Kids. But So what was he eating? What, what's the point here? What Sour Patch Straws. They were Sour Patch Straws. Sour Patch Straws. Yes. Right. Please, dear God, move on. So. All right. What was the next match? I'm looking up Sour Patch Straws right now. Oh, what, uh, uh, Carl Anderson X versus The Addiction versus The Kingdom. Yes, they decided – uh, Doc Ellis could not show up, so they just replaced him with nobody. So, which Dylan had no. Ellis <laughs> was a pitcher from the 60s and 70s for the Pirates who once threw a no-hitter while on LSD. So I don't think... Did I say Doc Ellis or Doc Ellis? Doc Ellis that didn't show up. Oh, I'm watching baseball behind me, so I think I was just in the baseball mood. Yeah, so, so it wasn't Doc Ellis. It was, of course, <laughs> uh, Doc Gallows. Um, but And that Doc Ellis story is 100% true, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's the greatest story ever. People who know nothing about baseball... And we do talk about baseball from time to time. This dude didn't he? P- he pitched a no hitter on LSD, correct? Cliff notes. Yeah, he 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 went. He he pitched a game or something, or or, or did something. It was it was after a game, and he went to his buddy's house, and they all they were just doing acid and LSD and all this sort of. And then he had completely lost track of time. Like he like he doesn't understand what, what, how many days passed. Like he thinks maybe two days passed. Maybe you know he got he doesn't know how many days. Essentially, he is sleeping, and one of his friends wakes up and goes, "Hey, Doc, don't you uh, aren't you pitching tonight?" And he goes, nah, brother, not for, you know, not for another day. And they go, uh, it's Tuesday. And he goes, oh, sh-, or whatever day it was. And he goes, oh, shit. And he has somebody drive him to the ballpark, and then he pushes a no-hitter. Yeah. While still definitely high. He says he didn't even – he couldn't even see the, the catcher. He didn't see anything. The catcher says that he was throwing up signs, and Doc was just doing his thing. <laughs> so and it was like, all right, well, whatever. Like, Yeah, supposedly it was after a day off, and he lost track of, you know, the time-space continuum because of his uh, – he was just, you know – Tripping on LSD for three for two two straight days, or whatever it was, showed up at the stadium an hour before the game. Okay, I mean, could you? Yeah, they had no idea this? where he was. Could yeah. you imagine this in the age of social media? A pitcher showing up an hour <laughs> before the game on LSD, and then they let him take the mound. Okay, they <laughs> let, let this man let projectile step balls on the mound. hit towards. Yeah. Okay, and then he throws a no hitter. So, um, yeah, I don't think Doc Ellis was in Las Vegas that night, but neither was Doc Gallows, who was stuck in Detroit uh, and could not get out of Detroit on time with his connecting flight due to the never ending winter, the never ending winter that you guys are having in the Midwest and the East coast of the country. Meanwhile, it was a nice 72 and breezy in in lovely college station, Texas today. And I'll tell you the people at my job were complaining that it was chilly today. Oh God. So I I thought I would mention that to you. Like the drink Um, acid. Yeah. They, they, you know, they had their little windbreakers out and they were complaining about the weather (laughs) because uh, there's a cloud. Yes. It was 70 and it was a little windy and they were complaining that it was a, it was a little chilly because it was 70 degrees. Still open. Were the schools still open at at 70? Yes. The schools were open. Uh, You know, they, they did close. uh, um, uh, They did close because it, because of, of fear of freezing rain. Uh, one day in January, <laughs> and then that freezing rain never happened. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I make fun of them for that down here. But but Rich, none of them had a drive in it. I really don't want any of these. They don't. No, 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 no. It's it's yeah. And that's what I was mentioning when people are like, those guys are pussies. And I'm like, they have no I mean, they're just not prepared for it. we grow up in. And, you you know, you grew up in Jersey. Yeah. So you're well aware of it. I mean, I grew up since the moment I was 16. I think when I was learning how to drive, it was like snowing. And my dad's like, well, <laughs> now or never. Like, like we know. And yeah, I, I have been in places when it's been you know relatively not not great conditions and people are are horrible drivers 
you know, in areas that, that, that like no, even rain in California. I, I drove in rain in California and people were freaking out. Yes, and I was like, I was man, just, oh. people didn't even had to drive in the rain. And I got I was like, God, what are we doing here? Like, it's raining. Put on your windshield wipers and call it a day. Like, it really is a skill, though, to know how to brake and how to turn in snow or ice. And I, oh, yeah. I really don't want these. I don't want to be driving with these people. If there's anything resembling ice on the road, so I can't blame him for that. But uh, but yeah, Doc Ellis was not in Las Vegas. Neither was Doc Gallows. And Carl Anderson wrestled the match by himself. He said he drank 40 beers. Uh, I don't know about that. Andre the Giant <laughs> style tall tale. So he's not all that different from Doc Ellis. I so. don't know how drinking 40 beers the night before prepares you to wrestle uh, four men at once. But uh, look, they, 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 you know, on one hand, I think they should have given him a partner. On the other hand, uh, who are you going to team him with? And right. It, it's a bullet club thing. It's weird right? if there's another guy. And yeah. it almost I, I agree. the character better to wrestle by himself. And it gave them a nice easy out to have him take the pin because he didn't have any support. And he didn't have a partner there. I mean, it, they were put in a tough spot. But, uh, you know, the kingdom won the match. And the kingdom is coming to New Japan this year. Mostly because Gato, Jado, and the New Japan cameramen love Maria's ass. And it, it look, and that's not sexist. They really enjoy I, their, their watching ass a lot. Japan show. If you think I'm just being, you know, whack Lanza, <laughs> they love that woman's ass. What was that? The, the one show they had like a steady cam. I think they told the one cameraman, and he was like camera five, and his job was to to shoot the ring, but shoot it via her ass, like have her ass be in the left frame, and then the ring on the right side. It, it was perfect. It was great. Like. So, like that guy's only job was there. It was like, do not move. There you go. You got the shot. You're good. Like, yeah. So the addiction was in this match to just, you know, add a little work, great flavor, so to speak. And uh, the story here, whether Doc Gallows showed up or not, was going to be the kingdom beating um, the, the Bullet Club to potentially set up some IWGP heavyweight title matches, uh, tag team title matches, I would presume. Uh, how do you feel about the kingdom being a big part of New Japan uh, coming up this year? I'm okay with it. There, there was a, a time when they were first announced. I remember, and, and, and you remember too. We mentioned this on this podcast. I was kind of eh about it, but I thought they really improved a lot. I thought Taven looked really good over there, and I thought Bennett really, really impressed me as well. I thought he was going to kind of take it easy and sort of see it as nothing. But no, they were a really good team. And and, and Maria, we've talked about it at length. She fit into there great. I mean, the people loved her. She was super over. Her interactions, the way she reacted, I mean, she was great there. And the whole act itself was awesome. Maybe as individuals and maybe as this act outside of Japan, I'm kind of uh, on. But in Japan, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And, and, and I'm fine with it. I mean, six months ago, I would have said, oh, God, no. I mean, no, no, no. But then, I mean, they really embraced it. And, and Maria especially, I think, did a great job with it. So, yeah, I'm cool with it. I'm I fine. I guess we know why Goto and Shibata immediately lost the titles back because they're moving into mm -hmm. this program here. Uh, from that perspective, I mean, I'd, I'd prefer that they don't come back to New Japan because I'd rather see the Bullet Club face Goto and Shibata or, or uh, Naito and Ibushi. Um, I have nothing against the kingdom. I have no real strong opinion toward the kingdom. I do think everyone in the act does a nice job in their role. I think Maria is tremendous. I think Mike Bennett's a guy who's never going to blow me away in the ring. I think his character work is better than his ring work. I think he's just a guy when it comes to uh, in the ring. Taven's a guy who is consistently getting better. Um, I thought they had a very impressive World Tag League tour. 
Um, maybe because, you know, as the outside team looking to get booked a little more, they might have worked a little harder than the New Japan teams who kind of had it on cruise control because they know the score and they know that that tour is, is a bullshit tour sure. anyway. You know what I mean? And and I, that that's not a criticism. It probably sounds like a criticism, but good on them if they went there and busted their ass on that tour and ended up getting themselves they got booked. bookings. Yeah. That's the whole idea. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of how hard the NWA guys just worked on the on the new beginning tour uh or the two new beginning pay-per-views you know what i mean so you know look i'm not offended that they're coming back i'm not particularly excited about it either um i'm just i I don't know i'm being grumpy i rather just yeah and no as i mentioned i'm okay with it i mean if it's already happened it's already going to happen so whatever and that's what i'm trying to look at that from that perspective and that's i think that's the biggest anything ever in new japan that's fresh is welcomed yeah, I don't care as long as it's not Goto and Shibata versus <laughs> Anderson and Gallows. I it just I don't want to see that again. So whatever, I don't care who they face, just not that team again. So that, that's that's speaking of Maria, she faced uh, ODB. Uh, so uh, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> look, this this was smart though because it was a thing and it was fine. Yeah. Well, ODB can go. I I really like her. I, I look, you want to talk about someone who understands her character. Okay, and and gets it. That's ODB. I've, I've I think I actually missed ODB. I missed the Roger Strong BJ Whitmer match. I don't know if you have a strong take on that. I, oh, I, I right, forgot. Well, we to... already started this one, so let's. We'll, we'll I do don't this care about now. that. That match. I had nothing in that match. Is Strong Whitmer? Okay, all right. Let's do Strong Whitmer. Strong won, and it was a BJ Whitmer match. But I will say Bingo. this. All right. <laughs> it, 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 I'll tell you what, though. I enjoyed it more than most BJ Whitmer matches. Yeah. I didn't love I it or anything. Of, I, I yeah. can sense that you just thought it was another BJ Whitmer match. I yeah, I, I I tune him out. I I don't even at this point he would really have to just like hit me over the head with something good. I mean I I I don't have much for him and 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 strong I enjoy, but he can kind of get monotonous as well. So I I this matchup was one that I I just it didn't hook me at all and it, it nothing really ever happened for me. So okay. it was all right. But so back to ODB and Maria. Yes. So um look. They probably knew Maria couldn't keep up with her in the ring, so they took a million shortcuts, and for me, it worked. I think pairing um, uh, ODB with the Briscoes is brilliant. I mean, oh, God, yeah. It's a yeah. perfect pair, and it adds a little something, you know, it gives a little juice to their act, too, you know? And I thought all the shortcuts worked. I thought, um, you know, the guys getting involved and taking all the big bumps worked, because if they just worked this as a straight match between these two, Maria wouldn't have been able to keep up, and it just... It would have been bad. I mean, that's. I think that's the thing that... Because people are complaining, oh, you know, why don't you just make this a... a a, a tag match or a mixed tag match or whatever. Ah, come on. I, whatever. I, it was it was a spectacle and and it needed to have bells and whistles to make it anything look, worthwhile. And I thought it was worthwhile. Is a good wrestler. I mean, this, right. I mean, do you really want to see a, a five or ten minute Maria ODB match? I mean, you don't. I mean, if you do, you're you're out of your mind. I mean, it's Maria's just not that great. I mean, she's much better in this role. And and I thought she did fine for the the kind of sideshow that this was. I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, she took I good moves with the expectations. She, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she did. She held her own. It absolutely. And I. I didn't see it being anything more than a sideshow, and that's that's what it was, which is fine. There, there's nothing nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I don't know if and the bill was the right word. I think it was like you said, a spectacle because you know all the interference and everybody taking the wild bumps. And it's like, do we really want to see Maria Canellis chain wrestle? I mean, come on, right? No, I, mean, wants yeah, to yeah. I don't know if a drop toe hold from Maria is really something we need to to really <laughs> fawn over. It, it's it was fine. I, I I was perfectly okay with it as well. All right, so uh, then we had AJ Styles and ACH now. 
again, I might be the high man on this match. I, I, you know, I've watched this match three times. I've liked this match so much that I've watched it three times already. To be fair, that's cheating, though. The first time I watched it, it was about three in the morning, and I kept dozing off. So that time doesn't count. So I had to go back and rewatch it, obviously, to get a good feel for it. But the second time I rewatched it uh, was legitimately just because I enjoyed it and I wanted to watch it again. Um, I really loved that, you know, you really get the sense that ACH is having the time of his life with these dream matches that they keep putting. And look, it, yes. it's no mistake and it's no coincidence that they're putting him in there with Alberto. Well, Alberto Patron asked to work ACH, which I thought was interesting. And, you know, they gave him the, the, the AJ Styles matchup, which immediately sold me on the show. I wanted to see those guys. I think they're very similar wrestlers as well. Um, and, and, and now we've come to find out that he's going to wrestle Samoa Joe in Milwaukee, which is a short little trek uh, for you Chicago guys. Will uh, you be I'm... up to – how long – what is it, 90 minutes to Milwaukee for you? Yeah, 90 minutes. I, I'm going to the Chicago show already. Uh, the Milwaukee one might be tough. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we, we're kind of breaking down who he's going to face in Chicago, and it's it's not somebody that I really would like to see against wait, wait. Samoa Joe. But Who's Joe facing in Chicago? Uh, I think it's going to be Michael Elgin. Wouldn't you rather see Joe face ACH? I would, but I already bought tickets to the Chicago show. Oh, you already bought the tickets. Yeah, we're already locked well, into the Chicago Rich, show. Well, Rich, if you didn't buy blind tickets, <laughs> you're right. these are you're the kinds wrong. of things that wouldn't... I can't go on a Friday. Joe, okay, I would have to... Actually, there's no physical way I could get there in time for the show. Unless I left work early as a result of going to a wrestling show. How are the show, traffic patterns from Chicago to eh, not Friday good. afternoon? No, it, it would be... if in like On a weekend, it's 90 minutes. Yeah, in perfect... Everything would be 90 minutes. If I leave at 5, I'm getting there at probably, man, 8, 8.30 at the best, I, at the absolute I, best. I got to tell you, when I saw the cinematic classic Wayne's World. Um, <laughs> they were able to do it pretty quickly, I yes. saw Wayne and Garth travel from Milwaukee uh, to Chicago. <laughs> they, uh, at a, they do it in like five minutes. So it's like. So, I, you know, while singing Queen songs. So Right. It was only one Queen. Yeah. It, didn't, it was just. The, and we don't know how many times they repeated the, it. But. Bohemian Rhapsody was all it took to get from Milwaukee mm-hmm. to Chicago. So. Uh, you well, it depends where. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess if they were in East Chicago or uh, not East Chicago. Um. North Chicago. North Chicago is not far. How many Bruins so games think. do you get to per year? Oh, I get to – I probably go to about in, – in previous summers, like when I was in college, I would probably went to about three or four. I get to at least one or two a year, at least. And I go to – Milwaukee's a great – it's my like favorite city ever. I go to Bucks games all the time because it's way cheaper than to go to the Bulls. And I actually like the city a lot more than Chicago. So it's cheap to get a hotel room. There's breweries everywhere. It's a beer town. It's I love it. Milwaukee's great. A lot of good food too. It's my favorite city in the – probably in the – country i love milwaukee man are you supporting my blind ticket argument uh with this conversation but yeah uh i I, back to this match though um i gave this four and a quarter i believe i don't have my notes in front of me yeah i gave it four and a quarter um i really liked that ach did the fosbury flop tribute spot uh of course you know aj styles for all intent and purposes, innovated that move. I'm always uncomfortable saying that someone innovated a move because there's always someone who did it in like yeah, it's like a random indie worker ten or whatever. Yeah, on a on a on a Mishinoku Pro show or something. Um, but but for all intent and purposes, when you think of that dive, who do you think of? You think of AJ Styles, and AJ Styles is a guy who, as you know, was not a wrestling fan growing up. It's just something he fell into, 
And, uh, you know, he certainly I don't think he was ripping off anybody when he you know, he's been he's a pretty innovative guy. So uh, I think we can credit that Fosbury flop style dive to him and AJ and ACH uh, knew that. And he did that as a tribute. And I thought the finish here was very clever with uh, ACH uh, uh, falling right into the calf cutter. Uh, yeah, I love that. I, I jumped out of my seat when that happened. That was, it was a it was great, great spot. I love that. I love that move. I, I don't know your thoughts on that. I really, really love that it's move just because it adds a different yeah. it adds a different element to AJ Styles, which is fun. It adds more of a – because, I mean, obviously the, the Styles Clash has its own little danger to it in, in Japan or whatever. But that calf killer is fun because it can kind of get locked on from wherever. And we saw it in this match especially too. With the with the Styles Clash, you kind of know what's coming. You know what's going to kind of lead to it. This, I mean, like, yeah, it was just uh, an errant kick and, and Styles made it pay. And I like that. I really love moves that are like that. AJ Styles is really doing some brilliant things with his work. I mean, he teased the Styles really Clash is. right off the bat in this match, which I thought was great. And, and that's, that's his new sort of style, too, which is cool. I like that, is that, that he's playing up a lot of the, the the intrigue around, you know, the Styles Clash and all that sort of stuff, that it's a super dangerous move. So he goes for it right away because he knows, hey, I hit you. You you know, you might be dead or I'm definitely going to beat you in the end of this match. Like, so there's always – there's a fun little element to that. Yeah, that's – as I was watching that, I was kind of saying, man, shame on – all of us for even doubting that this guy was going to be great. And, and you, you know, know what I mean? I, even and the other thing too, I'll, I'll approach this from another angle. We keep saying, "Oh, he needs to go face. He needs to go face." He's really nah, turning he's fine into now. a tremendous <laughs> heel here. I mean, yeah, he's I'm embracing this. He's working like a prick. He's carrying himself like a prick. He's got that constant five o'clock shadow, which screams heel. Okay, <laughs> and and it's like. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure. The only thing he's lacking, he's still such a cornball on his promos. Uh, he he does not cut terrible. an effective heel promo. Um, he 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 really his most effective role as a promo is is kind of as a, you know a goofy southern baby face. You know a, he's never going to cut a good heel promo, but he has the look down and he has the mannerisms down and he's he's really doing some brilliant things, little subtle things in his work to come across as a prick heel. And uh, you know I thought the calf cutter was going to be the finish. Uh, uh, ACH escapes. They do one last little hope spot. Then he gets hit with the Styles Clash. And I don't know if you, uh, you know, your eyes instantly go to these guys' heads now when they're in that position. And I don't oh, know yeah. about you, but these guys throw their head back almost immediately uh, when they're in that Styles Clash position now. I, I don't think you're going to see any more accents because everyone no, is no, so no. cognizant of what you need to do when you're in that position. I mean, it, it, go watch a, go watch the tape back. ACH throws his head backwards. Uh, to the yeah, point we have that a gift. We have a gift that I'm looking at right now that that we, on Dylan's review. And yeah, his head is his like head he's is like touching his ass. Yeah. ass. I mean, yeah, his, his head's all the way up his ass. Yeah, he's oh. like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's just this is gonna hit my chest and my chest only. So absolutely. So you know, it's uh, yeah. But I, I really, I, I I'm with you. I, I probably went four and a quarter here. I really, really, really enjoyed it. As you mentioned, there was a lot of every little comeback that ACH did was great, and he's the best at though. I mean, he's one of without a doubt, the, the best kind of comeback guys in the business right now of a guy who can get kind of beat down. And then when he's ready to go, it'll be, you know, a, a tope or some, whatever the hell it is over the, the, and then he's on, like, he's ready to go. And then he's going to fire up for a little bit. And, you know, he doesn't always win off of that. And, and it's fine because I think he, he just exudes. And we've been saying this for two, three years now on this podcast. I mean, he's a guy who just exudes charisma, the crowd, you cannot help but get behind him. I mean, he's never had a match where where the crowd was was sitting on their hands, and that's a testament to what he does. It's not, it's not a coincidence that the crowds are always going insane for his matches and what he's doing. I mean, that's that's not. And yeah, as you mentioned, the, the calf killer transition, and the, I've really enjoyed more than anything of the AJ Styles matches lately is the finishing sequences of them where. 
you know, you have the, the, the baby face, the fiery baby face, and this could be Naito, this could be anybody. They do this sort of flurry of offense and all this sort of stuff, and then Styles just slows them down, boom, 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 and it's over. It's quick. It's not like, you know what I mean, where it's not like he, he's he got the, those baby faces, they don't have it for very long. Like, he'll, he'll when Styles wants to finish you, it's boom, boom, and you're done. His like match it's, it's, structures, I don't think, are a coincidence at this point, because no, we're it's seeing very patterns fun, here. Yeah. And, you know, he's really putting together some really smart matches, some really well put. You know, I think it's safe to say that since the G1, he's having the best run of his career right now. And and this is a guy who had some tremendous runs in his career. You know, we, you know, he's clearing some pretty high bars, but in terms of his overall, and this is what we talk about all the time. He's in his late 30s now, and the mental – that sliding scale with the mental and physical are matching up right now for this guy. We talk about it all the time where maybe the, maybe the injury – maybe the physical uh, – maybe he's not the same physical specimen he was and the incredible athlete he was at 23. And maybe that has come down a little bit. That's not, but the mental side of his game, that side of the bar has risen up, and I think he's right at that point in his career – where the mental and the physical are meeting yeah. at, at, at their two at the two highest points they're going to meet at, and he's really putting it all together. And you can just hear the excitement in my voice. This guy's matches yeah. are just must – they're must-see matches right now. And, and He's and, making – And ACH, too, is another guy. I mean, oh, you know, you, you know we – you know, we always throw praise at him, and, and we were kind of ahead of the curve on him just because I happened to be down here when he was, you know, festering uh, beneath the surface uh, for some of the Texas Indies. And and look, I'm really glad that missing that flight uh, hasn't appeared. You know, we thought they could have buried him. They could have stopped booking him. I mean, to be completely honest. And we came on this show, and we were pretty critical of him for missing that flight. And, you know, if people don't think that, you know, we're fair, I mean, this is a guy, I have mutual friends with this guy, I run into him sometimes, show, but, you know, we, we, we took him to task for missing that flight, okay? And, and, and we thought it really could have derailed him in Ring of Honor, but it hasn't. I mean, and, and that's what I, you know, they, they're booking him in these dream matches, and, they, and, and he's coming out of these matches, he's losing these matches, and coming out of them looking better. Yeah, it does not matter. And, and, and that's the key. Yeah. Guys that can do that are... are, are they're 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 unique and and they're special He's guys that can lose lose face. lose and make it still. I mean he he was he was a better person in this match even though he lost and that's 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 unique. A lot of guys can't do that and do it well. And I think as I was going to mention before we move on, Styles. The thing I'm really loving about him is is his signature moves and and it's not necessarily just the Styles clash or, or the calf cutter. It's you know the bloody Sunday as well. They're, they mean a lot. When he hits them, it's very profound. And that's why I mentioned where, you know, the guys will get the little, you, you, the baby face will kind of get a, a comeback on him. And then he hits that bloody Sunday and then he hits that side and it's over. It's just like, damn, like, that's it. Like you had a chance and he's just a better man because he's got these moves that can kill you. And I, I love that. I really, really enjoy that. Uh, moving on to a match that had a lot of moves. Uh, Young Bucks, Red Dragon. What'd you think about this guy? That was great. I thought it was a match of night, four and a half stars. Um, it's going to be one of the best matches of the month, I think, when we do our March uh, match of the month poll. Yeah. Um, look, these two teams are going to feud all year, and the challenge is going to be finding ways to top themselves. What do you think of this match in comparison to the match they had at War of the Worlds last May? I still like the War of the Worlds better, I think, because it was the first of the, like the real big eye-opening ones or whatever. And that that's, for me, is always going to be I, – I, I always – Unless you really take it to another level, you know, like a, like a, an Okada Tanahashi is a good example of this, where the first, I mean, the first few are are great, and then they take it to another level. Like that invasion attack one might have been what was that the second or third? That was the third they did, right? Or was that the second? Uh, the what now? 
the invasion attack uh, Tanahashi Okada. Which number? I, I'm blanking on that the numbers. That was somewhere uh, in the middle, third or fourth or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I thought. So that was one where, yeah, the first you know major one they had was great. The second one was really good. And that third one was just like, okay, they took it up a complete other notch. Like that that will always be, you know. But for me, I, I tend to like that first one that you see is 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 really has a, has a place in your heart because it was the first time you saw it and it was just like, wow, these guys, the chemistry they had or whatever. I don't know if they've ever kind of gotten leaps and bounds better than that. So I'd still go with the world of the worlds one, but this was close. This was very, very close, but I, I, to me, it's gonna be tough to match the emotion and the intrigue of that war of the worlds one, where it was just like, you didn't really know what to expect. And when you were done, you were just, you're blown away. And that, that I wasn't blown away here. Cause I kind of expected something good, you, you know? The Shayna Baszler spot annoyed me at first um, because I didn't want that in this match. This match was going so great, and I didn't want bullshit in my finish. Um, but when the Bucks kind of got their comeuppance by breaking up, by yanking the ref out on the other, you know what I mean? Then since they evened the score, so to speak, mm-hmm. on preventing a pinfall, I, I I was okay with it at that point. I had no problem with it at that point. Um now, as far as uh, look, I think we both feel the same way about the four horsewomen. I, you know, I wish Ronda Rousey's three jobber friends would never go say that away. Term again. I don't never say that term I, again. This term makes me just shiver every time I hear the it. The other so. three are terrible. They're not even, you know, two of them are. Are they? I always wondered. Are they ever not? They're not good. Two of them are. Com- well, one is a complete jobber, and okay, and and Baszler's okay, and none of look, none of them are. They're just. I don't, want, I, I don't want to do an MMA show here. None of them yeah, are any good. It, it, for all <laughs> intent and purposes, they're not any good. Okay, and Ronda okay. Rousey is just so head and shoulders above every woman on the planet. It's like you can't be the four horsewomen because it's like it would be like Ric Flair and <laughs> the other three were not, you know, Ole, Arn, and Tully. They would be – one would be Rocky King, first of all, <laughs> the, the one that's really terrible. And then the other two would be like Kendall Windham and um, and Crusher Khrushchev like that. that yeah. <laughs> That'd be like those that that would be the, the comps to, to the, like Baszler would be like, you know, Barry Darsow as Crusher Khrushchev. Um, the one that's completely terrible would be like Rocky King. And the other one is like comparable to like Kendall Windham. You know, like a like a, a a a bottom feeder prelim type on a UFC yeah. show. The other one doesn't even belong in the UFC. I mean, it's just terrible. So, uh, and the other one is like a mid carder. You know, like a generic. And then and then and then and then Rousey would be Ric Flair. It's like you can't sit, call your you can't say four horsewomen when the other three stink. You can't. <laughs> right. you, you, okay, the other ones have yeah, to. The whole bring point of the four the horsemen table. is that they were also good. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's like like. Paul Roma, okay, when he was – he's probably the worst horseman ever, right? Like – um, That's safe, yeah. I, I, I think we – or, or Steve McMichael maybe. The, oh, yeah, Mongo. Okay, so if we go that's with Paul Mongo, Roma or Mongo, okay, but, but by the – you know, by the Nitro era, it was so overdone. I don't even consider those horsemen stables horsemen. You know what I mean? Paul Roma was like the dying days of uh, – let's go with Roma for the sake of the argument. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. He's kind of comparable. He's kind of comparable to Baszler, but he – Paul Roma blows away the other two. So there's your perspective. Wow. Okay. okay. So there you go. So um, anyway, yeah. So it bothered me until until the Bucks even the score, but 
Um, I like that Red Dragon retained here. I like the fact that in back in New Japan, they didn't take, they never lost their titles. You know what I mean? After going on that 19 match winning streak or whatever it was. So, oh man, I, I'm excited. I, I don't think I'm going to get tired of these two teams facing each other for a long time. All right, move on here to the next one. We have uh, ROH TV title, Jay Lethal defeating Alberto El Patron. This one, I was, um, I had pretty high hopes coming in here. I, I won't lie that I was a little disappointed, and that was mostly just because of expectations, but I still thought it was really good. I probably would go three and a half stars with this, and that's, when I say I'm disappointed for three and a half stars, I mean, that that's, because I, I really enjoy uh, Lethal's work, and I've really enjoyed what, what uh, Del Rio's been doing as well, but yeah, this this was a little bit less than kind of what I was hoping for, but that that that's really just talking perspective. I still thought it was really, really good. Do you remember Rocky King? Ooh, I, I don't know any of Rocky King. Rocky King was a famous, uh, you know, television jobber. Let me, let me look at During the up. Horseman era. And then later on, he was part of the Dudes with Attitudes with Sting and Junkyard Dog and Paul Orndorff and all those guys in, like, you know, the early 90s or whatever. Um, but, yeah, he was like – Oh, yeah, I know. I know. I've seen him. Yeah, I don't know if I would – I would say I know him. I'm a little – he a little predates me a bit. But, no, I, I, I remember the what he looks like. WWF so. had Steve Lombardi, uh, Barry Horowitz, and, and their group of jobbers, okay? AWA had guys like Buck Zumhoff and Tom Stone uh, during his era. And the jobbers during the Horseman era in Jim Crocker promotions were Rocky King and George South and the Italian Stallion. You know, mm -hmm. he's from that era, which kind of predates you a little bit. A bit, yeah. Um, I've seen little tape, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't living it during that period. Yeah, but. So anyway, not to go on a Rocky King diatribe, but then he got. A <laughs> we little, should just do a jobber podcast. People love when we talk jobbers. Yeah, jobbers are great. Look, about we jobbers. talked about jobbers a couple weeks ago. These guys, you know, the Italian Stallion was a great jobber, and every time the Italian Stallion did a job on TV, they talked about him winning that damn spaghetti eating contest, yeah. which was a shoot, you by the way. That was a shoot. He won that spaghetti eating contest. Well, he's the Italian stallion. I yeah. mean, I and George South, was a, a tremendous deal. enhancement talent. The George South. You know, if the network would ever put this shit up, people could see what we're talking about. Yeah, you, you'll appreciate this. Uh, over the weekend, I bought a uh, WCW Saturday Night 1995 comp. It's got every episode of WCW Saturday Night from the whole year. So that's some awesome stuff. 1995. Yes. So there's oh, all that's... kinds of crazy rando matches on there. You... Cause then you get some weirdos in there too. You get like a Sexton Hardcastle, I think, or whatever. Like you get sure. a few young dudes, yeah. you get some jobbers, you get some, yeah. And, and there's some legitimately okay matches in there too. So if only, I'm pretty excited to, to only, break that guy open. You know, if only there was a one stop place on the internet where the people who own this footage would make it available a really to good idea. us for a monthly price. So we wouldn't have to go buy uh, a, a very shady uh, uh, comp tapes from people at yeah. independent wrestling shows. DVDRs, yeah, with, with from guys labels who on claim them. that they're Rudo Reels and they're not even really yes, Rudo Reels. That might have happened. So <laughs> might have happened as well. You know, so very strange. But yeah, I outed a guy unfortunately, but hey, that, that'll happen. So don't. not to go on a Rocky King diatribe, but I was wondering about that. And now I'm in the mood to watch Rocky King, you know, uh, get destroyed by the Road Warriors or by Nikita Koloff, or you know, is he on that one world class episode they randomly decided to add? No, he wasn't a world class guy. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just so. joking. Of why they, why, why in the world? Did one world class episode emerge? I have and that's no it. idea. And it's what the hell is going on? Like, what are you doing? Five, which 
the other world class episodes are well, eighty two. Yeah, yeah, it's like a year gap. Yeah, it's like a two a two year gap. Two almost. year gap. They added one from eighty five, which is like <laughs> makes no sense. And the rosters, like you know, you got guys like Hollywood John Tatum on the roster. By oh, it's a whole different. Yeah, it's a whole different dynamic. And I it's mean, like it, it doesn't even follow the path. They were doing a nice job because they gave you a little bit before the cage. I loved match. it. Then they gave you the the cage match episode with Flair and 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 Carrie, the historic match, and then they gave you like the whole year after that. They gave you that great. They gave you right before the hot period, the angle that started the hot period, and then they gave you the first year of the hot period. And I'm salivating to get the. Rest and then they said, "Fuck you." <laughs> and, the, and then they give you one random episode from 1985. I it doesn't make any goddamn sense. But anyway, um. That's a good idea that you have about the streaming service that could show these. So it I will – uh, if anybody knows, anybody, let anyone, us know. Anyone who can get that done, I would, I would love to see it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, here my take on lethal um, Alberto El Patron. I have to get used to this El Patron thing. I think that's an awful name, by the way. It's not it's a good a name. No, I don't name. like it either. It, it, you have to stop when you say it. It doesn't roll off the tongue, and nothing should ever – I mean a name shouldn't do that. You say Alberto – I mean, like, you know, everybody that says it, they always have to, like, pause during it. That's, yeah, that's In all honesty, he should just be Alberto. People know him. He doesn't need anything. He should just be ADR. He could be ADR if he wanted to. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Alberto. He could use that. It's his name. Alberto's name. And it's like, you know, why the El Patron? I have to stop myself from saying Del Rio every time. I think I said Del Rio a couple times on this podcast. But anyway, the thing with Alberto is, I'm just saying Alberto from now on. Yeah, that's fine. The thing with Alberto is it's like he's always much better in theory than in reality Mm -hmm. for me. It's like I don't think – I think he's good. I don't think he's – but he never lives up to my internal hype. And I liked this match. I had it right around the same neighborhood you had it, three and a half, you know, three and a quarter. I thought they worked well together. I thought Del, I thought, I just said, Del, did you hear me? <laughs> I did. I thought Alberto was smart here because, he, look, they had to follow that. How do you follow the Bucks? I mean, it's just not fair. I mean, you can't, it, it's stupid because no matter what you think of the Bucks, even if you think their matches are just shitty spot fest, which is kind of the point, um, but that's not a discussion neither here nor there. Um, it's, it's hard to follow that. You know what I mean? It's like – and Alberto still managed to work his kind of match, and they followed it just fine, which I thought is a credit to him. They never lost the crowd. He did enough uh, flashy high spots to keep the crowd invested. Lethal, I think, has been – look, I've always liked Lethal, but I think he's been very much improved in the last year or so, particularly yeah. with his character work. He's got the character down to a, a science, and that, that's a great character. If, if you're not familiar with Ring of Honor, if you haven't been watching lately – his character and the fact that he he holds his TV title, and to him, it is the biggest title in the world because he holds it. And he will defend it against anybody, and he thinks it. I mean, that it's a really cool, and he's cutting his promos are great. I mean, just everything about the character is 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 spectacular right now. He's one of my favorite parts of watching weekly Ring of Honor TV because and it's a thing where, like, yeah, even if you know that it's not real, even if you know the TV title isn't as big or whatever, which I mean it's debatable. That's all I mean, when we talk about that, when when wrestlers are invested in themselves and what they're doing. You can get invested as well. I mean, you're you're listening to those promos and you go, yeah, that is a big fucking deal. He has had that title a while. Like, you know what I mean? It's just so easy when a guy invests in what his character is and what the story is. He's your it's classic territory secondary title holder who, um, who starts off as a delusional heel who thinks he's the world champion. But the more he says it, the more the fans start to buy into it a little bit, you know. And and that's that's what's good about the guy. And, and you know, we saw that. 
maybe people can relate better to like a Rob Van Dam when he was the television champion in ECW and it ended up becoming the more important title in the grand scheme of things. I mean, you and helped him out tremendously when, when Douglas was out and we always talk about that. I mean, we, we, we're talking about it now because people are bringing up about, you know, the WWE were already making the IC title too important. I, and and we, we know about new Japan for wrestling. I don't think there's ever, 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 ever a bad thing to make your secondary title equally as important. You look at that ECW Shane Douglas went down with an injury and they didn't miss a beat because they had a TV champion that was just as popular, if not more. And well, way he more was popular. the he de facto was the top guy in the company. And that's what I mean. Well, Douglas goes down with his elbow yep. injury and RVD and that title is the de facto star. I mean, I grew up when, when I really got an ECW, Rob Van Dam was it. Like I knew Shane Douglas had the world title, but I didn't really give a shit because I cared about RVD because he was that dude. And yeah, that's the benefit that you get by treating these things like they're, they're something significant. So no problem with that because we're, we look at this card alone. This was to me one of the bigger title matches on the entire thing. And it made up for, for what was a, a pretty lackluster main event and a main event picture that I don't really care about because I care about the TV title picture. That's cool. Lethal has that's always no cool. question elevated that title and i'll tell you what right here on this show when he first turned heel and they did all this we were skeptical of how that was we were like why did they do this heel it has worked out tremendously for jay lethal and for the company so uh yeah i enjoyed this match this could be it for uh, alberto and ring of honor um look we knew he wasn't going to be a permanent fixture he comes in he gets a couple key wins and then he puts over jay lethal on the way out i mean that's just pro wrestling 101 I mean, you can't really have a problem with that. So uh, interesting politically, you know, he's a triple A, you know, mega super uh, extraordinary heavyweight champion, whatever they call that title, uh, the mega super heavyweight champion or whatever. And you have the Ring of Honor television champion. Be- but then again, you know, titles in Mexico don't mean shit. So it, they probably didn't have any problems, uh, uh, you know, negotiating that or whatnot. So, right. Um, but yeah, yeah. Nice little match. And yeah, uh, enjoy it. And then we had uh, the Samoa Joe promo, which was yes, a surprise. Yes, yeah, so Samoa Joe comes out, uh, basically just says, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, as we know now, he uh, uh, I don't know how long the story is going to last, but uh, it doesn't appear to be lasting uh, much longer. But he says that he's back in his home of Ring of Honor and all this sort of stuff and, and that he's going to win the title and all this, you know, the, the standard, you know, big shot promo. But uh, unfortunately, a few hours later, a few days later, it's uh, kind of mute at this point. But even a right. few days before, honestly. Um, you can kind of read the tea leaves if yeah. you want. And I mean, yeah. you know, I, we hate to play. We told you so. Look, Rich, I'm not the kind of man who likes to come on this show <laughs> and rub things. You in especially. No, I mean, you're not, I you're not you that so. guy at all. That's yeah. definitely not my M.O. But I told anybody who would listen that every major promotion in the world was going to be lined up around the block for this guy. And there were some dopes who disagreed. And ah, he's why everybody wanted to bury the body. OK, this is Samoa fucking Joe. This is yeah. Samoa Joe. Are you people on crack? This is Samoa Joe. When Samoa Joe becomes available, okay, people are going to be lined up around the block to sign him, and that's exactly what happened. New Japan made a play. AAA made a play. Ring of Honor obviously made a play and has gotten the guy booked for a half a dozen dates. And, oh, yes, WWE made a play, and he's on his way there. Okay? Right. So you could all eat some crow, anyone who disagreed with me. I told you they'd be lined up around the block for this guy. And I, Rich, why don't people listen to me? Can you answer that question? Why don't people listen to me? Because you're annoying to listen to. I don't even like listening to you. I am really that, annoying. That's probably okay. it. I am very annoying. That, that's probably it. Yeah. There's yeah. no question that I'm very annoying. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a fan. I just do it you know, out of necessity. But the fact but... of the matter is, I'm right a lot. Okay? <laughs> you are. And, and, and I, you know, why don't people listen to me? Okay? My finger's <laughs> on the pulse. You had to know that they'd be lined up around the block to sign this guy. 
You had to know they were going to ring his phone off the hook. And, you know, he's on his way to WWE, and now everybody knows. It's like, it's crazy Samoa Joe. Are you people nuts? Especially in the current climate in WWE where they're running this secondary brand, which is, which is you know, they're trying to sell out thousand-seat buildings with this NXT thing. You don't think they're, they're, they're going to be interested in Samoa Joe? I mean, come on. Wake up. Sell the fucking coffee. Come on now. So, yeah, I mean, you know, this is no shock to us. I know you didn't disagree with me. You were right there no, with no. me. You knew that everybody was going to want a piece of this guy's action. This is Samoa Joe. Okay, this, is, this, is, this is one of the greatest wrestlers of his generation. Are you kidding me? Of course everybody wanted this guy. You don't think New Japan would have thrown this guy into G1 in a second? Give me a fucking break. Oh, there's no break. room. No room for him. Too many guys. break. You don't think Jado was chomping at the – you don't think Captain Noah was chomping at the bit to get this yeah, guy let, out? Yeah, let's, let's, let's go to this shoot. Let's not, let's uh, not do shoot names here. Let's do – you know. I heard some things, Rich. I think this man is Captain Noah. We've been uh, wrong before with these masks. Why are you asking? You, you used to call me all the time out for this. Now you're just going That's wild. because you're always wrong. Well, I'm always wrong, yes, but – but uh, but yeah, so Samoa Joe he got a huge pop for this promo, yeah, obviously, and and you know, and, and and this actually made the shitty main event even, and it was a great promo, by the way. Anyone who thinks, I mean, okay, I to be fair, I didn't really, I've never heard anybody really rip his promo ability. They all thought that he was just fat and washed up and can't work, which I guess we can still debate. Look, I, I have no concerns. Have I yet. think he's gonna be fine. I, I've been on record saying that I think he's gonna have a huge year and I think he's gonna have great matches because I think he's gonna give a shit now I think he's gonna have proper motivation now um, it, it, we all need to learn that TNA there's just something in that company and we all know what it is where you just what the fuck is the point of being motivated to have good matches what is the point I mean right. we've learned it with AJ Styles look at the American Wolves what kind of they're not doing anything they're not having great matches and they're not having great matches in TNA unless it involves ladders tables and chairs Right. And, they, and they, they know what's up. Yeah, they go there and they have their little six-minute match with the bromans, and and they're they're taking it. Like, any great work you can name, they go there and they, 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 they just forget about them. They, 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 there's no motivation to work really hard in that company. So I have no concerns about Samoa Joe whatsoever. I think he's gonna have great matches. It was a great promo, tremendous promo. Uh, got the crowd into it, and it really got me hyped immediately to see him wrestle Jay Briscoe. Then the main event happened. Yep. Uh, it started off pretty bad because no, uh, people were just not reacting to a few of the guys in there. And, and, and to be fair, I mean, if you've been watching and following Ring of Honor, the main event scene is, is in a very weird spot right now where, where the undercard and the lower card, I, I've really never seen. I, it's very rare that this phenomenon happens where this, the, the undercard is just so hot and people love almost, you know, most of the guys on there, people really, really generally enjoy. But then they're very lukewarm on the main event, guys. I mean, you have a guy like Hanson, who I think is, is, is a lot of fun, but people aren't really invested in him. You know, too much now. He's just kind of just sort of there. Uh, Elgin, who is kind of straddling on heel heat, but also kind of getting some X-Pac heat these days. It's kind of a I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily good heat. I don't know if he's translating it into to decent heat. Uh, Chiampa, who's 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 fun and who's interesting. But again, he's kind of straddling that line, too. I mean, I, I enjoy his work. I don't know if he's a mega guy. And then, then Jay Briscoe, who obviously is is was far and away the biggest star in this match, who, who was getting the bigger reactions. And yeah, I mean, it was a, it was. If you've seen this, uh, it's it's just a mess. It, it's hard to describe. It was just, it was a giant angle. There was angles throughout it. There was interference. I I don't even know how to describe yeah, it. Though. I, it, it wasn't say, even a match. It, like, it was four guys doing moves to each other, waiting for the run-ins. Yeah, it was like a series of moves. It was a series of spots. There was no flow to it whatsoever. No there was flow. nothing. It was I put you through a table. I 
you know, drop kick you into here. I did, there was just nothing. It's so hard to describe as a match because it, it wasn't. It was. It felt like a segment. I like the way I like the way Delirious books. I really do. I think he's an underrated booker. I think he he took over for Adam Pierce and the product immediately improved. He took over for Jim Cornette and the product immediately improved. I think he's a good book. I think he's a guy with solid I ideas. I think um, you know there's a lot of smart things going on in this company. Um, but the fact of the matter is, this guy is addicted to like these these like heel factions okay whether it's your scums or your decades and now you got these goofballs in the masks yeah what do you call what do they call on this thing the knights of uh, what the, the hell rising they call sun it? or some bullshit yeah not i don't know if it's that <laughs> knights of the rising dawn i believe knights it is, of the but... rising dawn uh you know it, it's like you got you got uh you know jerry lawler's three knights from the survivor series running in on matches here <laughs> don't know greg valentine it's, it's, ran in on there yeah I, you got greg valentine barry horowitz and i forget who the third guy was uh, you know, running in on matches here as Rich frantically tries to figure out who the third knight was because I know that's what you're doing. Okay, I know no, that's I was, what you're I was doing. Out what their name is. Are they the Knights of the Rising Dawn? But yeah, I'm also going to look at the same time. Oh, we've had this. We've had this discussion on this podcast too. Why can I not remember who that third it, knight it's is? Valentine. I think it's. It might not even be Horowitz. No, I, I think it is. Horowitz. No, it's Horowitz. I, I can guarantee you, it's Horowitz. Valentine but, uh, Horowitz, and uh, I. I don't think it was Lombardi though. I don't think Lombardi was the other knight. No. Oh, do you, I don't know if you can get this one. I throw it at me. I don't. I'll. I'll it'll. Jeff Gaylord. Oh, Jeff Gaylord. Yeah, yeah. Which was strange because he really didn't get booked much otherwise, other than that. You know, the knight role. So, yeah, it's just a USWA guy that just happened to be. Yeah, you would think you they would have just a cornet phone call away. So I guess I guess or a Lawler call away. I mean, either Lawler, way. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah, but it's like Delirious is really addicted to these shitty heel factions. And I guess to be fair, we should let it play out. But is anybody excited about the Knights of the Rising no. Dawn? I mean, come on, it just and it, that's what this was. It was a collection of spots waiting for these goofballs to interfere, which then of course set up the Ray Row chasing them off. Um, and I guess they're behaving like they, they want you to think it's the kingdom but we all know it's not going to be the kingdom it's, i don't know i don't need this in my rest i don't need this in my ring of honor show okay i don't need this okay. just yeah. be ring of honor and and be what you stay in your lane we don't need these heel factions all the time they've just never been successful either for them and and, and people can I, I i was legitimately surprised i think we had somebody on our twitter that once mentioned oh, i love scum and i was like you are out of your mind like, you know there's I cannot for everybody out there if you find somebody who loves scum i mean that's yeah, but i remember my my fandom of ring of honor when the age of the fall stuff happened was when i really started kind of saying ah, i don't know anymore and and it hung around for a little bit and i enjoyed it for a little bit but that was sort of the, to me one of the changing points of me was i was like ah, i don't know if this is my favorite thing anymore and, and then the scum obviously loaded with talented people too and it was still like you know it's 